Welcome to another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stack and here, my good friend and co-host uh, alongside me, Travis Krins. Travis, how are you? I'm good. It's chilly out, but I'm fine. Uh, World Series is going on. NBA. I'm very interested in this Dallas and Denver game that's going on. At of the course moment. you would be. Score is. Don't know what the score is, because obviously the Nuggets, I love the Nuggets. And... Uh, Luka Doncic, uh, he's exceptional. Uh, Porzingis is back after a year off. He's been very good. So uh, Dallas and, uh, and Denver, not, not, not too bad. 50-50 right now is the score. So oh, good. There you well, go. Um, and that game will end before this uh, baseball game it, was. It, this it, uh, basketball game started an hour later. It, yes, it will. Uh, get excited, Corinne's college basketball starts next week. Well, uh, but we begin this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with something that we spent a bunch of time on last week, and that would be College Game Day. Uh, I'll have Marcus Traxler on here, and hopefully Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader with thoughts on the College Game Day. But it was an, a very exciting and amazing weekend for the or week for the city of Brookings and South Dakota State University to be able to host College Game Day. And uh, by the way, it is three-two Washington now. So someone else. Juan, Juan Soto is what he just turned twenty-one. Yep. Um, what a, we, we we talk about Hall of Famer Pat Mahomes. You want um, to talk about Hall of Famer Juan Soto? I think so. I mean, he's you look at you look at the players that like are good and come up and play when they're nineteen and twenty, like this guy. Mm-hmm. And they're all Hall of Famers. You know, the Ken Griffey, the Mickey Mantle, those guys. This guy's got 56 home runs. Do you think he's going to be... Do you think he's going to be Han Solo for Halloween? How dare you? How dare you? No. Um, he, he turned 21 four days ago. He hit 60 yep. home runs almost before the age of 21. So, uh, yeah, this guy big fan of this guy. Yes, he's, he's very good, very good. But anyway, uh, so College Game Day was live last week from Brookings. You know, Reese, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, you know, Desmond Howard, David Pollock, you know, Tom Rinaldi. The whole crew was there, except for Maria Taylor, because now she's got NBA countdown duties or something crazy like that. Um but it was, it was just an outstanding week, a very exciting week. Unfortunately, the Jacks didn't win the football game. Uh, that's because Jabori Gibbs got hurt in the second quarter, and I am I am absolutely convinced and positive that if he played the entire game, SDSU wins that game fairly comfortably. The fact that they were tied in the fourth quarter with their second string and then their third string quarterback, because the second string quarterback, Kane and Nelson, can't throw it at all, uh, I think speaks volumes. Um, but college game day, the atmosphere, the excitement, everything, awesome. Uh, what did what did you make of everything that happened? You were very happy with everything. Everything exceeded your expectations. There were there were, there were barely any Bison fans there. Yes, this is great. This is fantastic. I saw the pics at the end. Um, I saw pictures on Facebook throughout the morning. It looked like a good crowd. I don't know how many people you would say that would be. I think it was over 5,000 people, I think. I'd say it's one of the better crowds that they probably have gotten for a game day, at least in 
I don't know if it was 10,000. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, good crowd. People were excited about it. Apparently there's, there's what this, I don't know if it's just on Twitter or it's on another ESPN station, but there's a show before game day. Twitter, Twitter, uh, they stream it on Twitter, Facebook, and I think, uh, is it Instagram? Or maybe it's just, maybe Why it's YouTube. Why do we need this? This show is what, it was two hours long, and then in the last couple of years it's been three hours long. I, I, Why do we need a pre-Twitter feed um more. We need more. Well, we need Fox, more. an hour, and now Fox has their pre-pre-show. It's stupid. It's well, ridiculous. Three hours uh, is more than plenty to talk about well, college football. But no, this is why. This is why you need Mike Golick Jr. and Jason Fitz in there. David Pollock it's needs true. a little more airtime and stuff, uh, which is fine. You know, you could have gone down to Applebee's Friday night and had Long Island iced teas with oh, Mike Golick Jr. And uh, and Jason Fitz, uh, that alone would have been reason enough for me to go. Uh, but this, you know, from College Football Live going there on Friday, and you know the SDSU saying bring the blue, and they they had this all coordinated. It went off as it went as well as you could possibly ha- have, and SDSU went all out, and they succeeded with flying colors, as far as I'm concerned. What stories did they do? What do you mean, what stories did they do? Um, what, what stories did they do on SDSU? Uh, they talked about the Dakota Marker game. They talked a little bit about the SDSU, like the you know the, the history, the growing from the D2 to, to D1 in that transition. Uh, there was some on the pre- uh, on the on the Twitter show, uh, I believe they talked about cookies and cream, ice cream, and right. e- even had a picture of a uh, of Jason Hove getting spoon fed by uh, Tom Rinaldi and Jason Fitz. So that's a uh, yeah. I, I can get it to you. It's it's pretty fantastic Jason stuff. Jason was spoon fed ice cream by Tom Rinaldi. Yes. Yes. Oh, I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so just they. I was very impressed because when Reese Davis announced the, that the show was going to Brookings, he said we want to showcase the Dakota Marker rivalry, and we, you know, we want to see you Bison fans. We want to see you come down, and and I think they had to be largely disappointed by the fact that very few Bison fans showed up, but they had to be extra excited that SDSU was as energetic and loud and just came out in as big a numbers as they did. They had the largest audience ever, and they, they said this on Friday. I will take them at their word because I can't imagine you see it very often where college campuses are filled with people for College Football Live, but they had College Football Live. It, there were scores of students and, and fans there. They had the band out, you know, the, the pride was there playing and stuff for college football live on Friday. And they're just sitting in lawn chairs right on the college green. It's, it was fascinating to see they SDSU went all out and you know what we've, we've tackled the attendance problem uh, or we've mentioned it time and time again, that they have an issue with, you know, drawing fans for football games and, you know, uh, Matt Zimmer has talked about it. You know, Justin Sell, the athletic director for South Dakota State, knows that that is a key issue that they 
are trying to figure out and solve, and at least for one week, it was because the amount of school pride and the amount of energy for the football team was outstanding and something that likely will never be topped. It's, uh, yeah, stadium record, state record. I think um, Fargo Dome doesn't hold that many. I think their record's 18-something. So they got 19 whatever. Largest crowd ever to see a, a sporting event. And neither of the Dakota, so that was good. Saw some people talk about, oh, I, I wish it was like this every Saturday, and that would be nice, but that just isn't going to happen. That's not the um, reality. No, and, and and I look at their schedule next year, and it's it's bad for a home schedule. Um, they've got Dixie State, which I thought was somewhere in the south. It's apparently in Utah. Who knew that? <laughs> Dixie State, Dixie State uh, Division Two, I guess, is making the jump up, and uh, SDSU gets to play Dixie State the next two years. Uh, they've got Western Illinois on Halloween next year oh. on Hobo Day. Uh, they also end the year uh, against Youngstown. They do have USD at home early on October 10th. Mm-hmm. They don't have NDSU. The, the schedule next year is not look good for attendance, but it, it's one of those deals where you have to show up because of your team. Yes. And I would say a lot of it is, well, we're playing Missouri State. I don't care about Missouri State. We're playing Indiana State. We're playing Dixie State. We're playing Butler. We're playing Drake. We're playing Long Island. I don't care about those teams. You have to show up for your own team. And it was, what, 19,000 people showed up. Mm -hmm. Probably about a quarter of them, maybe a little more, were Bison fans, which, all things considered, probably is not that bad. So, what, say 3,000? Well, if it's, if it's, I think if it's closer to a quarter, I would say about 5,000. You want to say 5,000. So that, okay, so now we only have 14,000 SDSU fans. I, I, I saw, I, I saw the, um, I the th- students there were, it was like yeah. two or 3,000 students. I think it was 3,000 students. Yeah, and they had to turn a bunch back. So we're down to 14,000. You take off the 3,000 students, we're down to 11,000. Well, so essentially, eleven thousand SDSU fans that were not students and were not fans of the road team showed up. Okay, you are such a you're such a party pooper it, when it comes to this. Is that not right? Well, that not no, right? but okay. Let let me let me put it to you this way: the demand for the tickets, NDSU already scooped up sure. a bunch of tickets, so I think they are. You know that this game sold out almost immediately after tickets became available, or like you know after college game day was announced that they were coming to Brookings. So, I and I think some of that was NDSU sales, but I would say you know if, you know for Fargo fans to only have maybe four to five thousand there, and I don't I'm I'm well, I'm guessing on that here. I think that they would have come down in greater force. Uh, if SDSU fans hadn't scooped up all the tickets there at the end, so I I do think it is a a mix of you know of NDSU fans already having bought the tickets and maybe more would have, and SDSU fans be like, okay, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do this, we're we're shelling out, we're gonna we're gonna go out and you know catch game day and then catch the game. So so using that as a baseline, we we can say there were. Eleven to twelve thousand SDSU fans there. Yes, right? 
Yep, I would say minimum eleven to twelve thousand. Yep. Eleven to twelve, twelve thousand. Let's say SDSU fans. Hobo Day usually is the biggest crowd, if not for North Dakota State. Hobo Day is the biggest crowd. Hobo Day wasn't great this year. They had thirteen thousand seven hundred for Hobo Day. Was the wasn't the weather a little bad on Hobo Day? Was it raining? Oh yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, it was fifty three, kind of windy and rainy. I think it was rainy early in the day. I think in the afternoon it was a lot better. So you get almost fourteen thousand for that, which you like to get probably fifteen for Hobo Day. But then you look at that crowd, I mean, that's all SDSU. Yes. There's probably a couple thousand students for that game. Yeah, yeah. Cross and, those off. So again, we're down to that 11 and I, or 12,000 fans. Yep. Essentially, every game is 11 or 12,000 non-student fans go to these games uh, for the most part. I, I tell you what. I believe you would get minimum 11. I, I, I believe minimum you would get 10,000 fans Per game, if there was a roof over the stadium, and that is the thing that is, you know, what what's great about SDSU for in terms of getting the football players to come here, because you remember they were in you know the trailers and stuff with Coughlin Alumni Stadium there when you and I were there. They they were just starting to build some facilities and stuff, and now you got this great. Northern Iowa. No, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, my my bad. It's been a long time since I've had a chance to do that. I know, I know, it is. Uh, but if you look at what SDSU has now for the facility, you know, the, the, the big Sanford complex or whatever, it's like the largest indoor facility in the nation or something. They're, they're very close to it. Uh, that's great for the athletes, but along I-29, SDSU is the only school that does not have a domed stadium. Uh, USD has it, uh, the Dakota Dome. NDSU has it with the Fargo Dome. UND has it, I think, with like the Alaris Center or yep. something. Uh, even Northern oh, Iowa right. has a dome. So you are in. Also, considering the, uh, I would say the region that SDSU is in, you are in a territory where there are a lot more farmers and hunters and stuff. Not saying that there isn't that in Fargo and Grand Forks. But they have larger cities and larger populations of which to draw from. Now, granted, yes, Sioux Falls is fifty, you know, fifty plus miles away. But all of, all of those things, I think, factor into the attendance factor. Or, you know, when when we look at all things here, I do think that that has to be taken into consideration. But going back to the game day th- deal, this was. This was as great of a week as you could possibly have for SDSU. There's the amount of school pride and everything was uh, absolutely vivid and wild throughout Brookings, throughout the state of South Dakota. Um, What was your biggest, I guess, takeaway from the college game day week? Uh, I don't know. People were excited. A lot of people showed up. You know, people thought it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Like, everybody that could go up there, I mean, they did. And they got to see it. And Like, the, the media coverage here, I mean, just every day, they're just, they're coming. And uh, they're, they're, they're coming. It's one day fewer they're coming, and they're going to be doing this. And it was, what, Thursday or whenever they, they set up the thing. Oh, here's a 
somebody had a live, or the Argus or Kello had like a live stream of them setting up uh, the stage and everything. It's like, Jesus Christ. No, it, it's cool. The, the people it's like, that's fine. It, I, was, I wasn't big into it. I didn't go there. I didn't watch it. I mean, everybody, it, it sounded like it was a, it was a good time uh, to, to, to see Brookings in the background. The, so hopefully they come back. Um, yeah, again, if the quarterback doesn't get hurt, they probably win that game. That would have been the big capper to everything. I and, and with the roof deal, I think this is the time of the year that the roof would make a little bit of a difference. Yep. Uh, well, for these November and December games, I don't know how much of a difference. I think it make a little bit of a difference. Um, but yeah, that that didn't happen. So I mean, we got uh, four game or four games to go here. Yes. Um, yep. You, you can win. You can win with Missouri State this week. You win with that, no matter what. Um, I believe that. I believe Gibbs. I I don't know what the status is with uh with Gibbs, but. They won't play him this week. They don't need to. They'll crush Missouri yeah, State I, with or without him. I assume, I assume he's done for the year. Doesn't sound good. I assume he's done for the year. And if that's the case, then then that really sucks because this was a team, best defense they've had in, in a while. Yes. Uh, running games good. I mean, the two best teams they've played, they've run all over them. Gophers, 13th ranked team in the country, apparently the Gophers, I mean, this. I was at that game, I watched it, and you really couldn't tell who was the Big Ten team and who wasn't. They went toe-to-toe. Minnesota wasn't too fast. Minnesota wasn't too big. That was an even game. And this game against North Dakota State, this, I guess, great defense that they've got, and SDSU ran all over them. There was zero threat, zero threat of passing for three quarters of this game from SDSU, and and Pierre Strong was still able to run for 125 yards, which... No team has been able to do that, and he did it by himself. So yep. for them to do that, that's awfully impressive. Um, but I don't know how you're beating Northern Iowa and Illinois State if, like, Shannon Nelson's. He's a, I, I have no idea why they they wanted him. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like, what what did he show you that he's like? Yeah, you give him a couple of years, maybe he could be a guy. So for me, I don't want him as my quarterback. This other guy, this this guy from Minnesota, I don't know anything about him, but he's got to be better than than Cannon Nelson, even though Cannon Nelson has been there about four years. This guy's a freshman. Play this freshman. I don't know anything about him, but I think he's probably better than Cannon Nelson because how can you not? Yeah, and I was just looking at uh, Matt Zimmer's tweets, and yeah, John Stuglemeyer, head coach, doesn't sound optimistic. That's... That's not good, um, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, they, can, they can probably, you know, we don't know. I mean, if, if they go eight and four, they go two and two in this last little bit here. It's like I don't know if they 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 don't get by, and they maybe host a playoff game first round, and then go on the road from there. So you're looking like, you know. National championship here, or at least semifinals again. Mm-hmm. For the third straight year, your quarterback gets hurt, and you're looking like, Christ, we'll be lucky if we win one playoff game. Keaton so Hyde gonna, is the freshman, and I think he should be the one that starts. At uh, he's the one who threw the interception, but I mean that you know the you know a couple of pre-snap penalties I think really cost SDSU in this uh, in this loss to NDSU and. 
then you know throwing the pick not great but you know when you don't get the reps in and stuff that's that's gonna be a factor I assume he hasn't played before last week this is his first game uh, let's, and I assume, yeah. I assume he's a, is he a true freshman? Uh, it says freshman from what I'm seeing. I don't know if that means true, true freshman or not. Well, I believe with, it would. With the, with the new rules here, I mean, you're burning his red shirts to play here at the end of the year, maybe. So if that's the case, I mean, that's a tricky spot. Do you want to waste a year of eligibility for him knowing that Jabori Gibbs is, is going to be around for the next three years? Uh, knowing that this guy, maybe this, I don't know how good this guy is, so I, I don't know a whole lot, but maybe you play Cannon Nelson against Missouri State, knowing you can, you can uh, win there, and then do you give this freshman kid the big game against Northern Iowa and Illinois State? Yep. Knowing that you can maybe play, you can play him four games and still uh, have him redshirt, so it's, it's a tricky situation. He did play... He did play some mop-up duty against Long Island in the second game of the year. So maybe that's not even a concern of theirs right now, and maybe he's already a redshirt freshman, and I'm I, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. But I, I don't know why I don't know why you bring him into the NDSU game if you're not going to play him well, next week. Right. I'm yes. Like, I, I don't know why. I think you th- if you're going to you, put him in. Put him in. Well, you look at you bring him into the NDSU game because the passing game was non-existent with Nelson. He was what two of eight for sixteen yards. I mean, that's just not going to get it done at all. No. Uh, two of nine for thirteen yards. I mean, when you have a, a, a great wide receiver like the Jacks do with Cade Johnson, you absolutely need to just go all in. And um, yeah, I I hope Jabori Gibbs comes back strong and. Uh, you know this SDSU team, and, and next year too. You know the, the, we we hate to see the the defense get wasted uh, this year because it's the best defense SDSU has ever had. Hopefully their defense will be good next year. But you lose guys like Christian Roseboom. Um, trying to, I don't know if uh, Winkleman if he's a, a senior or not. But either way, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Well, and it's not—it's not a missed opportunity. It's just—it's an unfortunate—it's an unfortunate. Uh, unfortunate circumstance because I was not impressed with NDSU. Uh, granted, Trey Lance is a of a freshman quarterback as well, so hopefully it'll be Lance versus Gibbs for years—you know—for the next four years. But NDSU did nothing, I thought, in this game that blew me away. Uh, apart from, you know, they had a 71-yard run on 4th and 1 from the 29, which was ballsy. I think maybe that's why Cliff Kingsbury did it on Sunday. He watched the the, the, the Bison Jacks game and said, hey, that worked out well. We'll try it as two. And nope, that didn't work. Uh, and then, the, the what, a 59-yard run by Brooks, one of their running backs. So they had two big plays. But other than that, their offense was largely insignificant. So... It, um, One mistake we talked about this last week, or it's going to take a few games to match attendance from last week. If they play at home next week, do they get 10,000 people? I don't know. I, it would depend on the weather. I would guess probably not. I'd say maybe seven or eight. But um, it, it depends on the weather. It is remarkable how it's not a big town. You know, and, and, and they do draw very well for 
you know, lack of people in their mm-hmm. radius. Yes. Um, so it is quite remarkable that they are there with, with their attendance of, you know, in, in recent years of 14,000, 15,000 average sometimes in a town that's barely over that. So it is impressive, but, but they have to compare themselves to North Dakota State. They get 18 and a half every game. But again, that's a dome stadium. It's a, a city, a population of over a hundred thousand. You know, the metro area is probably in in totality close to two hundred thousand. Uh, so, I again, yeah, I I understand. That, you know, you have to to look at that. But there are circumstances there. We'll see what happens with SDSU. But uh, right now, it doesn't look very good. Let's uh, switch our attention. By the way, I, I think they- yeah. With, with the 10 is I think they've kind of maxed out, though. Yeah. And I, th- I, I just don't think it's, it's reasonable to think you're going to get 18,000 people, I no. think. No, I agree 14, with that. 13 to 14 on average day is about, is about it. The other thing, too, is that people going to the game, you know, the attendance, yes, it may... You want as many people there as possible, but I don't think that's a that's indicative of the lack of support that the the football team gets. Because uh, you know there there are a lot of people that support the team, support SDSU Jackrabbit Athletics. They just might not go to the games, but there are people who want to see who who care about these sports and want them to succeed. They just might not be going to the games, which you know you'd like to see them, but. I'm just saying, you know, there are other schools where they don't give two, you know, craps about, uh, you know, Bryant foot, Bryant Bulldog football. Oh, boy. I mean, I can't tell you how many Bryant fans I've been running into lately or, you know, Delaware State, you know. I mean, come on. They, they, the, the lack of support, it's just not there. Uh, but let's uh, switch our attention. Uh, by the one way. Final, one final question. Yes. Games are on TV and, and you can watch them, watch them on TV. Yes. But what they're like six home games a year, maybe eight with the playoffs. Like, how many do do they expect people to go to? I mean, do they expect you to go to every game? I know that group of people, and we know who they are, and go yep. to every game. They pretty much go, and they miss one or two here and there because of something. I, but they go to every game, and there are Saturdays, or we're going to go to Brookings, and we're going to tailgate, and I we're going to be at every game. And I just don't think that's reasonable. Uh, tickets are not getting any cheaper. I mean, you're going to spend at least what? At least $200, if not more, uh, if you're buying season tickets and the food and all the junk everybody I, else has to, I don't, has to get. I don't think that's an SDSU problem, though. If, I mean, that you have to do that for any NFL team or any other college team uh, if you're a season ticket holder. You'd have to do that for basketball, too. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that that is... Uh, like a, a key argument in this, but I mean, th- there's stuff that SDSU certainly needs to figure out. But at least for one weekend, for one week, though, everyone bought in, and unfortunately for the game, uh, game wise, SDSU fell short. I mentioned it before, I believe, but uh, college basketball is one week away. Fantastic. We'll preview it next week. So that'll be a lot of fun. You got uh, two big games from Madison Square Garden. I believe it's a. Uh, Kansas versus Duke and Kentucky against Michigan State. I want to say that those are the matchups. So that's going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun next Tuesday. There, uh, we'll preview the college basketball season next week. 
Yes. Yes, and they—they they, it seems like that. I think they are the four teams that always play in this Champions Classic, even when Michigan State might not be that good. But it's because you know they're they're the four most prominent teams most of the time in college basketball. I'm just kind of surprised North Carolina isn't in on this, but uh, maybe they can't. Maybe they could switch North Carolina and Duke out every once in a while. But either way. Um, the World Series, through five games, the road team has won every game so far. It's the first time that's happened since 1996 with the Braves and the Yankees. And um, I don't, I can't. Did no the the Yankees won Game Six at home, right? Yes. Okay. So that would not be the case right here with the, you know, the Nationals and stuff. If the Nationals win Game Six, and as we are recording this podcast, they are up three to two right now. Uh, so if they win, that would be MLB history. Then uh, ratings have been down for the World Series. I'd say that the level of excitement that we've seen, like the games, just haven't been all that good, especially the ones in in Washington. Uh, we're not good. I think people maybe were taken aback a little bit by what happened, you know, with with Washington. Game one was, I think, we can safely say the best game of the series so far. And even that, you know, Nat Washington got out to a five-two lead. Houston battled back with a couple of runs, but ultimately fell short. But it's been a fairly boring but yet unpredictable series. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, first game was good. Second game, I went to bed, it was 3-3 three three in the seventh, and then all hell broke loose. The dam broke. The dam broke, and Washington f- flooded in with seven runs. And then Washington forgot how to hit. They went home. They scored one run in every game, and that's not enough to win. So, um... Yeah, Washington three to two here. They were down two to one. They had a couple of home runs here. This game's very long, as you said. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's ever been a World Series where the road team has won every game. I, the Cubs, there a couple of years ago, they won one game at home. I think that's the record. Them and a couple other teams have won one game at home. Uh, the Yankees series that you mentioned, they won the one game at home. Uh, to win it, so th- this would be very odd if this even goes to a game seven, and uh, if Washington were to win this, that would be quite incredible, and that's what we would remember this series forever as. Garrett Cole pitched great in mm-hmm. uh, in game, what, five Sunday night. Yep. Uh, Verlander, a little iffy. Like, Grinke pitched a great game the other night. Uh, this Quitty, this rookie, I don't think... Uh, hasn't talked much at all. He pitched great uh, for what? Houston. So Houston's pitching really, really was the difference on the road. What is going on with Justin Verlander? Uh, he is not going to pick up the win, I don't think, in the in Game Six here. By the looks at, no, he's not. He can't get the win here. He could get the loss. So this will be now, I believe, the sixth World Series start, and he's not going to get a win. He's one of the uh, best pitchers in baseball. Is it just a, is it just an oddity, a statistical oddity that Justin Verlander, with six World Series starts, has yet to pick up a win? Yeah, the wins don't mean much to me, but he just hasn't pitched 
he's, he's kind of like Kershaw. He has his good games and he has his not so good games. What he gave up three runs in five innings tonight, which is which is okay. You expect probably more from him. Uh, but but the other night there was what six innings and four runs, which is again it's okay. It's not great. Uh, he pitched once a couple times against the Yankees, seven innings. Four runs, he got the loss again. It was okay. It wasn't great. So you probably expect him to throw fewer than ninety-three pitches in five innings, though. Yeah, you, you expect him to, to be a little bit more efficient and to maybe uh, maybe pitch six. You're, you're looking at him to go six, seven, eight innings and give you one or two runs. That's what you're looking for when you, when you put him out there. But Strasburg has been amazing this postseason. Strasburg, he's been the best pitcher, mm-hmm. even better than Garrett Cole. He's put together an amazing postseason uh, for him. So if we do go to a game seven, I guess Scherzer's going to start after being on his deathbed apparently a couple of nights ago and not being able to, to dress you know, himself, move, dress himself, wipe his ass, do anything <laughs> resembling uh, a functioning human. So apparently we go from I can't lift my arm to. All right, game seven's ready for two days ago. I'm ready to go. So I don't know how we get there. Chiropractor. So, a chiropractor yeah. and a masseuse. I think it was his neck. His neck. And his back. His arm or something. Yeah, neck and back. So, I mean, by all means, I do believe, like, he couldn't pitch because, what, he was supposed to pitch game five. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't. So I, and I believe that. And if you don't believe that, then, then you're an idiot. Right. But if there's a game seven, I guess he's ready to pitch. So it was a, a quick... Turn around, and I wanted to see Verlander Scherzer game seven, the two old guys, two former teammates. We're not going to get that. Uh, it's it's going to be Grinky and Scherzer if that happens. I'd love to see a game seven, but I, I'd be fine with Houston wrapping it up tonight. But yeah, um, viewership has not been good. Um, I, I assume more people watch that Dolphins Steelers game the other night than watch the World Series. No, the World Series wasn't on Monday night, though. So, or just like, or, or watch those yeah. games on Fox Saturday and Sunday compared to an ESPN game against two awful teams well, on Monday. I mean, the, I can't, I can't explain that. I don't know what the Steelers uh, Dolphins game got, but it probably got around at least ten million. Ten million. Well, if you put a football game on of any consequence, it's going to get you ten or twelve million. On Monday night, which I, I can't fathom, I can't wrap my head around that. I can't imagine why anybody would have watched Miami and Pittsburgh last night. The but probably ten to twelve million people did. Well, I'll I'll try and find that here. I I highly doubt that. Um, just because of how awful they are, the like you can put a preseason game on, it'll draw five million people. It will at least. Uh, it average. Here's the average here. Uh, Dolphins Steelers telecast average nine nine and, a, and three quarter million people. Ten million people watch Dolphins Steelers. Yes, we can barely get ten million to watch Game Five of the World Series. That's tied at two. What they get? Eleven, yeah. ten, eleven million. Jesus. I, uh, uh, the average audience for a Monday night game this year is 11,702,000, which is up 3% over 2018. The peak viewing was 11,798,000 between 9.30 and 9.45 p.m. Eastern. Um, 
that might have been when uh, the Dolphins decided to blitz all the holy hell out of the Steelers on a third and 20, and it resulted in a Steeler touchdown. So good job, Dolphins, there. Uh, the, the, the Mahomes, the, the, the Mahomesless Chiefs and the Packers game on Sunday night, that drew like 18.3 million, and it was like a 61. It more like 61% more people watch that game than they did the World Series. Um, you know, before it used to be where the you know the where the NFL would not put a Sunday night game on against the World Series. And I think, you know, when they switched it over to NBC, maybe, or maybe it was a little before then, they're like, okay, you know what, enough of this. We're just going to put, you know, screw you, baseball. We're going to pit, you know, a game up against you. And they, they keep beating them year in and year out. Uh, but this year was ex- exceptionally uh, large. Hell, at this point, baseball should not play a game on Sunday night to compete with a fucking week eight game against the winless Dolphins that- Pittsburgh or Matt Moore and the Chiefs, for Christ's sake, come on. Uh, the, there's been talk. I think it's said in jest, but I really think it should happen. The Cincinnati Bengals have benched Andy Dalton for uh, North Carolina State rookie Ryan Finley. Uh, if the Dolphins and the Bengals are winless, headed into their Week 16 matchup. That game needs to be flexed to Sunday night because I want to see the toilet bowl in all its glory. Uh, It would be a sham and a mockery probably to the sport, but it's something that I think a lot of people would have great intrigue on. And let's just see what right now the week 16 game is. But if Dolphins... Bengals got flexed to Sunday night and they were both 0-15 and this would be the only way that it would happen. Would you watch that game? No. Oh, boy. Fair. They won't do that because they just won't, but it would be funny. The Sunday night game right now is Chiefs-Bears. Well, that certainly looks like what else we got? That, that got? looks like hot garbage right now because the Bears are terrible. Uh, let's see. The the week well Packers Vikings is Packers Vikings is Monday night. So that game is that cannot be flexed. Uh, let's see. We got Saints Titans, perhaps Steelers Jets. No, thank you. Panthers Colts. That uh, that that could do something. Maybe the if the Browns turn around, Ravens Browns might do something here. Uh, Cowboys Eagles is right now in the three o'clock slot, and then oh, yeah. and then we have and then we have it could, but I I bet that's protected by Fox because NBC has already gotten the Sunday night uh, showdown between the Cowboys and Eagles. There are five games that are de- to be determined as to when they play. It's either going to be Saturday or Sunday. Texans, Bucks, unlikely. Rams, 49ers, that's got a whole bunch of potential there. Bills, Patriots, that's good. Raiders, Chargers, no thank you. Lions, Broncos, hell no. So, uh, you know what? There's really only like three possible games right now that I'm seeing that would be better than Bengals-Dolphins in prime time. Let's, let's make it happen. Anyway, we like to make some, we like to make some bold predictions once in a while, don't we? We do. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but people are talking about it, and I I would like to see it gain more steam. Yeah, 
I've got a bold prediction. Okay, what do you got? I don't think this is going to happen. I think there's a chance. Okay. I think the Browns go 9-0 and the rest of the way. Ah! I think they go 11-5. and You look at that schedule, boy, yep. that's... That is a dog shit of a schedule that they've got the rest of the way. Yep. What are they, two and five? They're two and five I mean, right they, now. They, they haven't played well. They play, I think, the toughest schedule. Nobody's played a tougher schedule than them. Yep. So that's unfortunate for, for them. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't think anybody plays an easier schedule than they do the rest of the way. Like, if they don't win at least six of these or at least seven of these, I mean, seven is, you got to go seven and two. Minimum. You got to yep. give yourself a chance here. You got to go nine and seven. You go nine at seven in the AFC, you're probably in the mix. That Bills game so, yeah. at home after the the Broncos game, you know, they're zero and three at home right now. That Bills game is going to be difficult, but we've seen uh, the Bills maybe not play as well here lately. Uh, then you get Steelers, Dolphins at home. Those are two wins. They're at the Steelers. Well, that looks like it certainly should be a win right now. Versus the Bengals, that's a win. At the Cardinals, win. Or should be a win, though Kyler Murray, you never know what happens there. Uh, home against the Ravens, that could be a win. And then at Cincinnati, you're right. I'm not, like, it's it's entirely possible. And if you, you mentioned how difficult their schedule has been. And look how close they played. You know, the, the Titans game, that was a, a complete fluke. But they lost to the Rams only by seven points. Uh, they lost to the Seahawks by four points. And after that 17 nothing debacle in the first quarter against the Patriots, they outscored New England 13-10 the rest of the way. Like, they hung with them for the final three quarters, for what it's worth. Uh, I saw a little bit of that game. I like that they went for it. There was like, I don't know, a few minutes to go, five, six minutes to go. And they were down 17, and they went for it. Yep. And they didn't get it. Fourth down, and they didn't get it. New England took over like at the 40-yard line and they didn't do anything with it. And I think Cleveland got it back and kicked a field goal and onside kick and it didn't matter. But you're down 17 with like six minutes to go. Just go for it. You're not going to yep. win if you punt. You're not, you, you, you have a chance to win if you go for it. So you're not so pulling a Pat Shermer. Is that what I'm hearing here? I love that. Like if you're down 21 points with five minutes to go and it's fourth and 10 at, uh, at your own 20... Just go for it. Yeah. You're going to lose anyway. What the hell does it matter if you lose by 28 or 21? Yeah. Just go for it. Yeah. So good job, Cleveland. Not giving up. They used all their timeouts at the end. With like 2.40 to go. I'm like, yes. Use them all. Get the ball back. Kick a field goal. Give yourself a chance. You never know what's going to happen. So I was very impressed with their end of the game situational decisions. Did you see... The Desha- the Deshaun Watson play where he gets kicked in the face and throws a touchdown. Yes. Fantastic. He is. He's he, exceptional. We we were huge fans of his at Clemson, and we said going into the draft uh, a couple years back, three years ago, uh, that he was the best quarterback in the draft, and why people kept like looking at him like, why why wouldn't you take this guy? And certainly Patrick Mahomes has kind of taken a, a stolen some of the thunder. But Deshaun Watson is better than the quarterback that's leading the way in Chicago right now. Uh, by the how way. How amazing, how amazing <laughs> would the Bears be now if they took Deshaun Watson? Jesus it would Christ. be it would be they beyond belief. Football. Yeah. If they would yeah, they would be Super Bowl 
Yeah, no, they would be the Super Bowl uh, favorites in the NFC. No question about it. Uh, the decision of Matt Nagy to take a knee instead of run another offensive play, uh, do you do you buy it or sell it? It was at the end of the game. Instead of running another play, potentially risking a sack or a holding penalty, he just had Trubisky take a knee. Uh, and then uh, Eddie Pinheiro missed it to the left. Obviously, he doesn't trust his quarterback. I don't know, run the ball, pick up a couple of yards. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he just doesn't trust his guy. And then I think after the game, he was so defiant. No, this is what I was going to do. I would do it a thousand right. times. And look the way, and Scherzer here, Jesus Christ, Scherzer warming up in the seventh. So it looks like he's coming in. That's, well, that's nice. That's a little... I'm always there. about, you know, win this game. I'm always about win this game, so I don't know who the hell is pitching tomorrow. But it looks like he's coming in now. He's probably going to pitch tomorrow, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Bears got up to this great start, and then, I mean, you pick a quarterback like that, this is what is going to happen. Your picker sucks, but if you pick a quarterback like this, mm-hmm. this is what you deserve. You deserve this. Yes. You deserve this. Yes. Yes. Jacksonville deserved what they got from the, the deck jackass that they picked. The black, the Blake Bortles. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw somebody say it seems like the Titans are the most irrelevant franchise in football. Uh, I think the Bengals like might take still, that. But yes, the Titans the are right up there. Are, are bad. It's like the Titans. They're like they're not bad. They're not good. They're just there. <laughs> yes, yes. There's like the 70-minute win team. Yep. Like, nobody cares about the Titans. Very, I would say that there. would be about, like, the Jaguars, too. But, yeah, definitely the Titans. So, I mean, these teams that pick these quarterbacks, like, how is Gardner Minshew better than all of these guys? How is the, what is he, a sixth-round pick or whatever yes. the hell he was? sixth round, yep. How is Gardner Minshew better than who, who are some other rookies? Uh, Kyler Murray, how, how, Daniel Jones. Uh, who who else do we got here? Uh, and, and they've had their moments. Yeah. Like how is Gardner Minshew better than Josh Rosen? Uh, yeah, right. How about uh, uh Ryan Ryan Finley, the the Bengals uh, starting quarterback? Now he was taken in the fourth round out of NC State. Yeah, that's a good move for them because they got to see. They got to see what this guy does. Is this guy worth keeping around, or are we going to pick pick a quarterback with the first or second pick next year? And they've been killed by injuries to the offensive line and stuff. Honestly, if they get the number one overall pick, you know who they should take? Chase Young from Ohio State, the defensive end. The Bengals? The Bengals, yes. He is the surest thing out there. Like, yes. Like, this. You know what? Joe Burrow. Uh, I like Joe Burrow too, but uh, ah, he's just trading hey, into—he's t- trading in purple and yellow tiger stripes for orange and black tiger stripes. How, how do you like that? How do you like them apples? It's, a, it's unbelievable. It, it's amazing. I don't—I can't even come up with a, a comparison to what Joe Burrow is doing. From just being just a dude to now being like what he's what he's done this year, and he's got a huge game coming up next week. 
Like, I, can you come up with something? Because I can't. I, I can't, no but guy I... guy that was just every, LA, every white LSU quarterback ever. Yes. He was one of them. But he, he came from Ohio State. I think that's what a lot of people forget is that this is not some guy that... Uh, he didn't even play there. Right, but that's because they got, uh, an, like, they, s- someone else transferred in, or I don't know if it was a Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, JT Barrett, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, the, the Ohio State's uh, the 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 treasures of treasure troves of quarterbacks that they get. It's 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 ridiculous and quite frankly disgusting that you can have so many. It, even Georgia too, uh, you know, because Justin Fields was at Georgia. Adam Eaton or Easton uh, is it Adam Easton? Easton, the the quarterback at the University Jacob of Washington. Easton. Jacob Easton, thank you. Uh, just. Chalk that one up. Another one that Stacken got wrong. Uh, um, what's the tally at? Hey, last, year he won, last year when he was a junior, he's a senior this year. So uh, he, he didn't play in a lot of games, but he's been around. And, and he comes in last year, and he's nothing special. I think and he's been acclimated, though, you know, to everything around him. I, but I can't come up with, like, a comparison of a guy who was just a guy, and then all of a sudden... He's amazing, and he's doing what he's doing, and I'm seeing these mock drafts where he's, like, the top guy taken. And, yeah, if, if he continues this, he will be. How about this one? Like, what? Which, about- which is fine. He's been, he's been very good. How about this one? Tom Brady. Tom Brady? No, Tom Brady was just average at Michigan. And well, no, but, like, I'm talking like. It, it, you're talking within college. I, I, I get it. Well, I even in the NFL, it'd kind of be like Case Keenum if Case Keenum continued to be good. Case Keenum was just a dude, just a backup, and then he was with the Vikings, and he had a great little stretch, and then that all ends now. But it'd be like if Case Keenum was so good. Something like that. Right. And then Tom Brady, he was pretty good from the get-go, and then progressively got better and better and better. Um, he was good enough to win a Super Bowl right out of the bat there. But I can't think of any quarterback that was just just to do like even coming into this year it wasn't like people were saying oh you know Joe Burrow has got a year under his belt now and he, LSU is there right. for a second year and like nobody was picking LSU to, to win the national title or to, or to win 10 games they were right. like yeah LSU under normal 9-3 season I actually did pick them to be 11-1 and one with their only loss to Alabama and I, I Nobody could have seen Joe Burrow do this. No. This is incredible. No. This is amazing. Absolutely. And I think LSU beats Alabama next week. I do. Especially with uh, Tua maybe not playing. Uh, speaking of not playing, uh, Vikings Where's are... The game is that Alabama? It is in Tuscaloosa, yep. I think Alabama uh, speaking of quarterbacks who might not play or who might play, who the hell knows at this point? Patrick Mahomes, uh, Vikings at the Chiefs this week. Uh, do you think Mahomes plays? No, I, I would hold him out until their bye week. Okay. Uh, do you think the Vikings will win? I would be disappointed if they didn't. I would be disappointed if they lose to to Matt Moore. Yes, if Patrick Mahomes plays, there's a chance. Then, um, then all bets are off. I would probably say that the the Vikings lose that game, but I will be in Kansas City for that one. So uh, sure. looking forward to that game. Uh, 
get a chance to see Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, the NBA season. Here, here, okay, yes. here, here's a bit of a test for the quarterback. Okay. This defense, as far as I know, this Kansas City defense is not good. Correct. It is, they're, they're, they're not in the top half. Right. Do good. Yes. You don't got to win the game, but you got to play well. Yes. And Thielen this should play. Test. Thielen should play. So. Yeah, actually, that should be fine. And if Thielen plays, the offense, like the people who were saying last week, oh, the offense didn't look very good. Yeah, you know what? The offensive line wasn't great. But when you are missing half, like your best wide receiver, of course that's going to take away some of the offensive explosiveness. And the fact that Cousins was still 23 or 26 for 285, that's pretty he's damn great. impressive. He's very, he's been on a tear the last four games. That game on Thursday was a preseason game. Yep. It was boring as hell. Um, why it's not against federal law to play two football games in five days, I have no idea. Wow. People are paying for it, and people are watching. I think it's absolutely ridiculous to have a Thursday football game after you just played on Sunday. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Well, you So you don't want football on Thanksgiving then? Maybe once a year. You want to make it a tradition? Go ahead. I would, I would be fine with Thursday night games if you had a team coming off of a bye every week. You would never get that full bye week, but you kind of get a little bit of a bye week there. I like you it. You have a bye week, you play Thursday, you got the rest of the week off, you play the next week. If you want games that are of some quality, because that game I watched yeah, it's not Thursday good. night, sure as hell wasn't fun to watch. If you, if you don't want that, don't make them play four days after they just play. Because th- that's absurd. I, I just think, you know, that, you know, the people who say that then will say, well, we still want Thanksgiving football. Well, that's the same thing. And I like the fact that the Vikings do get a li- got a little mini bye week last week. Now they still get their next bye week in three weeks. So that, like, their full bye week, that's great. But um, I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh Overall, uh, let's see here. Uh, NBA seasons. Like, like, yeah. If they want to say they're all about safety, which they're not. Well, I, yes, they, they they don't. Have yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't say that. Yep. Don't say. Yeah. That. That. I. I. That. I agree with. NBA season's a week old. Uh, the oh, Warriors. Uh, I would say, Crins. You. Yeah, they don't look good. Uh, the Warriors. The Warriors. The Warriors look like shit. Yeah. So uh, maybe you want to retract your uh, previous statements about them. I mean, I'll, I'll give it more than three games. It doesn't yeah. look good right now. Yep. Yeah, they don't look good. How about the Timberwolves being undefeated through three games? That's uh, that's impressive, even though all three games have been oh, no. against the East. It's exciting. I mean, Towns, I mean, he, he could have himself here. He could have, like, 28 points, 15 rebounds. Have himself... A year. Be the guy, go nuts. Be in the discussion for being one of the top five players. You know, that. you know what the amazing so. thing about that game, that opening game against Brooklyn, was that, oh, Kyrie Irving scores 50 points, and then they're like, oh, yeah, the, the Timberwolves won. It's like, yeah, like so big, big whoop. He scores 50 points. Yeah, that's impressive, but uh, actually show some, you know, Highlights of the team that won and show Carl yeah. Anthony Towns destroying him. Um, 
yeah, why, why don't you do that? But yeah, very impressive with the Timberwolves. Spurs are three and zero. Denver is undefeated. Oh yeah! Oh uh, yeah! <laughs> let's go! Let's go! Uh, I agree with you. I you know I was saying it in jest about the Warriors, but I do think there is reason to be concerned. It doesn't look good. No. Um, the yeah. Suns, the Suns don't appear to be awful. Yeah, and that's even without DeAndre Ayton. So that's interesting. The Suns don't appear to be the worst team in basketball, which. They've probably been here over the past few years. So, I'm keeping my eye on the Suns. I, I would gladly hope that they're good. They could win maybe 35 games. Hawks look good. Yep, your Hawks. The Grizzlies are not good, but they've got John Morant, and he looks like he's exciting. Mm-hmm. they got Jaron Jackson, who's in his second year, and Hopefully he can take the take next step. There's a review in this baseball game. It's been going for at least five minutes. At least five minutes. There's a 10-minute review in the Monday Night Football game. It was ridiculous. Oh, I got it. NBA. Haven't seen a whole lot of it. Luka Doncic is, is really good. Like Hall of Famer Luka Doncic. Porzingis is back. He's been good. So, yeah, you know, Clippers, Clippers appear to be excellent without Paul George yet. So, the Kings look like like crap. They got to get better. Yeah. The Bulls have played some close games, and they've lost most of those close games. So, they got to do better there. The Nets, it seems like every game the Nets plays the close game. So, yeah, NBA season's back kind of. I'm interested in the Pelicans, even though I want to have Zion. I think they've got they've got some young guys besides Zion who are interesting. Like I would just play these young guys instead of screwing around with like veterans. Like there's this Jackson Hayes from Texas that they got. There's this one guy with an obscenely long name. Nichols Armstrong Jackson or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> Need to be a guy in a nice game the other night against Golden State. So play these young guys. Play all these young guys and and you can thank me in a couple of years. Uh so we'll talk we'll keep our eyes on the NBA season. Uh next week college basketball starts. Uh very excited about that. We'll have a World Series champion, and we'll see uh, what happens in Week 9 in the NFL and preview the two big college football games next week, Alabama-LSU and the Gophers hosting Penn State. It's the first time ever that you know there will be two, team, two games pitting 8-0 teams against one another this late in the season. So. I think it's also the first time ever people have cared about go for football. <laughs> Since the 60s, at least. Very very fair point there. Anything else before we say so long? I'm sure game day is going to be in Alabama. I, I hope it's at Minnesota. I hope it's at, I, I, at, I hope it's at U of M, too, but uh, I doubt it. It's in Memphis this week. How great is that, Zach, and for the state of Tennessee? Well, I, it's only going to help NDSU football recruiting. It oh, has to, Christ. right? <laughs> I think so. I think so. It's it's fun. I like that college game day is going off the beaten path and going to these different places. It's what Florida, Georgia, and that's about all for this week. Yep. I think they've been Florida multiple times already. Yes. So, Rendon, ding dong. 
Nationals are winning this one, folks. Goodness gracious. Five to could two? A home team win a game? Could a home team win a game in the World Series? Unlikely. Unlikely. Now you don't even have to I, pitch Scherzer. No, save him. By all means, save him. I, I, I did something last week I didn't think I'd ever do second. Oh, what'd you do? I, uh, I got rid of cable. Oh! I have YouTube TV now. Okay. Uh, cable bill was getting a bit spendy. Yeah, I hear you there. It was, under, it was $130. I'm like, because it never used to be that much. Just give you a deal at the beginning, and then all of a sudden, yeah, paying you know thousand dollars a year for cable. And I, all this I stuff, pay so. more than for that. I pay more for than that for Dish, just for comparison's sake. But I mean that you're getting a little bit more with Dish. So I called them, and I figured I'd have to, you know, like I couldn't get rid of TV completely. I figured they'd say, well, to have our internet, you also have to have TV. Mm-hmm. So I was expecting to go in saying, all right, give me the, the bare bones 10-station cable package, you know. Yep. But then the guy said, no, you can get rid of cable completely. So I'm like, yes, get rid of the whole thing. I'm still spending probably $65 on internet. But um, we got YouTube TV. And you can share it with five other people. Ooh. And that's $50 a month. So if you've got somebody... And you can share it with a couple people, and they put in ten bucks or fifteen bucks. I would say that's more than reasonable. Yes, fifteen bucks a month if you can find a couple other people to share it with. Mm-hmm. I think it's got every channel that I need. It's got you no know, forty some channels. I think maybe Comedy Central is the only one that it doesn't have, and it's not like I really watch that all that much anyway. Right, but. It's got a ton of sports channels. It doesn't have. It, it, I feel like this was made for me. It doesn't have the NFL Network, which I don't want. It has NBA TV, which I do want, which I didn't have. And it also has MLB Network. It's got all these ESPN stations. It's got the ACC Network. It's got all the news stations. So I guess YouTube TV, it, um, I guess I would recommend it for $50 yeah. a month. And if you can share it with somebody, mm-hmm. knock, knock it down to 25 So. I didn't think I'd do that, but I did. And I'll say I'm I'm fine with that. Well, it's something I'm I'm considering at this point, but it is important for me to have uh, quite a few sports channels in there. I don't want to lose those, so that's the, that's the things you, you certainly have to weigh. And I, I I'm I not going to lie, Red NFL Red Zone is just tremendous on Sunday. Like it's so great. And I think there are certain, you know, if you want HBO, you can add HBO. Like on cable, it's going to cost you more. Mm-hmm. But there are certain uh, channels that you can add that are extra. So, so far I'm impressed uh, with it. I didn't have a DVR before, but now you can take stuff. I haven't done that yet, but I have that option. So, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, would, I would recommend YouTube TV. It's been all, all over the World Series here for years now. Yep. So... YouTube TV. Very good. Keep uh, keep me posted on how it's going for you. I think it'll be good. It'll, it'll be fantastic. Very good. All right, my friend. You have a good week. Uh, stay warm, and uh, we'll we'll chat next week. All right. Go Nuggets. Go Nuggets.
Go Nuggets. <laughs> Go Nuts, folks. Go Nuts. Thanks, Grins. Travis Grins joining us here on the Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time as always. Great stuff there. Uh, we will have plenty more of game day talk coming up here with Marcus Traxler. Hopefully get Matt Zimmer on as well. This podcast can be found as well as all of our podcasts on podcast.com. Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Twitter, at ND Stacken. Facebook, Nathan, uh, for... Uh, Travis's Twitter handle at Travis Krenz. Link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. It's going to be a long one, folks. We're just getting started. Coming up next, Marcus Traxler. More college football talk, or college game day talk specifically regarding SDSU. Plenty of it. Plenty more to come here on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Continuing our game day coverage on the Sports Block podcast this week, pleased to be joined by my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic, Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Stack, and how are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for uh, taking a few minutes here. Uh, you are the, uh, between the two of us, you are probably the more calm individual. Would you uh, agree with that assessment? I think that's probably fair. Okay. I'm, I'm a little bit more level-headed about uh, about the possibility of getting game, game day and also uh, the week leading up, but I was excited. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think we both agreed, mm-hmm. you know, one of those one of one once in a lifetime type things for, for SGSU, at least hosting. Uh, yes. Yep. Uh, that was just what I was going to ask you was your reaction to it when the announcement came. Cause when I was, cause I went on Twitter on, on Saturday night, because that's when game day normally announces where they're going. Didn't hear anything. And then the later you go into Sunday, you're like, okay, is this really, happening like does SDSU have a real good shot at this I mean it and finally when the announcement came it's like okay they're, they're actually coming it's it was somewhat like disbelief like oh my god this is actually happening yeah I would agree with you uh you know the longer into Sunday uh that it went I I felt the chances were better that SDSU was going to be the team that was going to get to to have game day game day come to town it's funny uh we're, we're we're doing this on a Monday, and they announced on Monday afternoon this week that they're going to Memphis. And yes, that's about as I can't think of it, a, a later announcement they've ever had about about game day. So, um, and I think you know we're probably going to get into this discussion, but it's cool that they've kind of gone off the map here a couple times yes. now. Yes, um, and and SGSU certainly qualifies a place that you know a lot of people said it uh, in the last week, but just impossible to imagine. 15 years ago when they first went Division One, and even 10 years ago when they got you know more legitimate with with the Missouri Valley that they would ever be hosting game day. And, and this was the right scenario, uh, one versus three, the Dakota marker, the, big, the biggest rival in the NFCS, and then it, it really has become that game. I think to a lot of other people it might, be, it might have been Montana, Montana State, certainly a legitimate game that could get game day at some point, but mm-hmm. this is the premier game right now, and hard to argue with uh, – the hype and, and even the way the game turned out, uh, hard to argue that that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, the week leading up to it, you have all of the, you know, the, the excitements building and buzzing Tom Rinaldi's in Brookings for, you know, the entire week and really, you know, shining a profile on, on you know, South Dakota State and the, and the, the, the program that head coach John Stiglmeyer has built, uh, you know, Get leading SDSU to being the number three team at the FCS level from you know the D two era and all of that stuff. So you know just fast forwarding then to Friday, 
college game day. Uh, I, I first, you know, flipped on Golik and Wingo in the morning, and there's Jason Fitz in the dark. Uh, you know, he's freezing cold. You know, he's got two coats on and a hat and stuff. He's doing the, the, you know, the the updates and stuff or the what's trending for Golik and Wingo. And but then he hosts College Football Live, and the the scene there, the atmosphere was just incredible. The bands there. You have all these people lined up. They said it was the largest. And maybe this is just hyperbole, or maybe you know, maybe they were lying. But I have to, I'm going to take them at their word. They said it was the largest crowd ever, you know, for a college football live, which is pretty cool. Like SDSU and the Brookings community fully embraced game day and everything it had to it. They were going to go all out for this event. Yeah, and I, I'm not a, a regular college football live watcher. I probably watch more of it than I realize because it, it just, I just happen to catch it from time to time. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of times where they're at game day and there's, you know, there's just people kind of strolling in the background. They hardly realize that it's, it's actually happening. Yep. So, you know, the fact that SGC made a concerted effort to have people there and put some energy into uh, that scene on Friday was cool. I, I think it showed up. Um, obviously, Stiglmeyer sending the, the team there to, to be in attendance and be part of the show and yep. you get a segment. I mean, that was the word. That's, you know, why not take advantage of this show that you're going to be doing and and um, kind of make them spend some time on you. Uh, I thought it was, was a smart thing. And kind of got people fired up, kind of got people an idea of what was happening uh, then on Saturday, what it would be like on Saturday. And I have to laugh because um, they had... Uh, Jason Fitz, as you mentioned, hosting the show that David Pollard and Desmond Howard. I mean, it was a yep. perfect day on Friday to have this. And I'm sitting on these chairs and I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, geez, they didn't the grass. Like, it looks kind of shaky. Yeah. You know? And, yep. uh, and I'm like, well, that doesn't seem to look very good. And then you get there the next day and everybody's stomped down all this grass. And you're like, okay, that kind of makes sense. So there's no sense in knowing when it's going to be, you know, just trampled on. Uh, for for six hours the next day. So right. They know what they're doing. Uh, that was that was small, but I did kind of laugh that the grass was a little shaky. I I so. was more surprised. Like here, you have this. You know, you have this nice set and this nice setup for game day. And here for college football live, you just you know throw three essentially lawn chairs in the grass. I mean, it it, it was kind of a, a an odd setting. For college football live to begin, but then you see, you know, David Pollock joins uh, Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon on PTI for five good minutes, and you see the Jackrabbit, you know, in the background there on the building and South Dakota State and stuff, and you know, they're talking. They they talked about it for a minute on you know on PTI about the about the game, and really that was just a lot of filler because I don't think David Pollock knew maybe a whole lot. Uh, he <laughs> yeah. probably had to study that night and whatnot. But, you know, just leading up to it, and then, you know, game day, uh, if we can get more into that, because you were you were there uh, and stuff. But it was just so cool Friday to see all the, you know, just SDSU on ESPN there. And then Saturday. Yeah, I, I, would, I would just say that's. That's proof of the synergy of ESPN working in SGC's favor, right? You're talking about yep. you know, from the start of the day on Friday uh, with with Golik and Wingo and all the different schools. They're all just kind of working in uh, the fact that they're in Brookings, and that's that's just kind of a great thing to have in your favor, right? And, and I think in a lot of other places, it just kind of gets taken for granted, and, and uh, it's just cool. It's just I don't know what other words you can say about it. Yeah, uh, obviously. College game day—that's the crown jewel. But to have kind of all those other little pieces 
kind of working in your favor is just a, a bonus. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, so then Saturday morning, what time did you get to game day and you know set the scene for us when you first got there? What was it like? Because we saw, you know, on Twitter, they, you know, the Argus Leader had a story, or you know, about, you know, Friday night there were like fifty students camped out at eight thirty at night, ready for the long haul, uh, and obviously the crowds just kept growing. So when you first got there, what was it like? Yeah, I, I kind of made a plan. I, I live in, in Mitchell, obviously as you mentioned, so I, I've got an hour and forty five minute drive, and and I kind of planned I would leave here between four thirty and five and try to get there around 7. And that's basically what happened. You know, I didn't know how bad the traffic would be because obviously Brookings had kind of prepared. They had some shuttles on basically from 5.30 on from, from the hotel uh, center. And when I got up there, the, the traffic was fine. I had no problem getting off the interstate, no problem driving to campus. I did have some problem parking, but that wasn't traffic related. And, uh, and uh, you know, I just kind of got in position and, and walked over to, uh, the college green area and there were just it was packed with people you know I, I didn't care obviously being up in the front and I did I did uh, you know get I, I was planning on sort of covering it from a, a media perspective I, I didn't do a ton with it uh, you know for the paper because you know you also want to make a decision of you know uh, I'm part of the forum company forum had, had some coverage of it so I yep. didn't do as much but did get in, in you know be backstage and check it out just to say I did really and, and um, take some photos and stuff so um, that was cool but you know it, it was I was probably 25 rows deep um, from the stage at, at that point at 7 a.m. and I mean it was bumping uh, you've been to game day so they've got a DJ Jason Fitz uh, is, is kind of one of the guys that, that does the kind of pumping up the crowd and they've got a DJ that does it as well and yep. I think at 7.30 uh, him and Golick and David Pollock they start kind of doing a, a Twitter pre-show. Yes. And yep. that sort of gets people into it. And, and, you know, there's some sports center hits. So people, I mean, it's dark. It was it was kind of cool just that uh, basically the whole thing is lit up by the set and the lights and stuff on the screens. And uh, people were into it. I mean, it was just, it was cool to see that kind of energy. And it was pretty much all SEC people um, at that hour of the day mm-hmm. and just to see people into it. And, uh that was when I knew that, okay, this is going to turn out pretty good. My hope was just that it would fill in as the day went on, and it did in a big way. And so um, that was just a really good start. And uh, I didn't really realize it until um, until later in the day, but we were only like five rows behind you know, one of the areas where you know, the cameras were kind of cutting through and where um, I think maybe we even drove the uh, moped through. Okay, yeah. Um, you don't notice that when you're just kind of standing there. It's hard to get a sense of where the barricades are and stuff, and where they're going to be cutting through. And later in the day, when when Pat McAfee rode with uh, the mascot yep. um, way in the back, you know, they had roped that off, and everyone's on. He's like, "What are they roping that off?" And I'm like, "Look down there. There's, you know, jacks on this you know, Polaris Ranger. He's going to drive that through. That the guest picker will come through before the last segment." And they're like, "Oh, like, oh yeah, okay." And so they've got it roped off, and people were crowding around that yep. you know by the end of the show at, at you know 10.45 before the last segment yep. you know it was it was full almost back all the way to Campanile and that was cool you know I don't expect everybody to be there at 5am but um, the fact that it did fill in and that they had a big representation you know I thought was just cool and 
you know, you and I uh, had talked beforehand, you know, what kind of split would there be for the Bison? Probably just jumping on one of yeah. your questions, but, yep. you know, I told you earlier in the week, or on Saturday, it was probably 80-20. It was probably 90-10. You know, it was, it was um, SDSU showed up in a, in a huge way, and I think NDSU people, uh, they had a benefit of, of it being kind of close to the tailgate, but uh, they had a better representation of the game itself than they did at game day for sure. And, so. you know, part of that could be that they were, you know, some people were just going to drive down Saturday morning from Fargo yeah. for the game. Um I'll, I'll get to my other point here in a second, but I, I did get the opportunity to go to college game day w- when it was in Fargo one year, and I you know stood in line. I, I got up there, I think it was like one thirty or 2 in the morning. They, you know, the line was backed up. They had it on Broadway uh, in Fargo, kind of by the Fargo Theater there. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually in the pit um, yeah. with, you know, here's this, you know, Kind of weird. What? How old would I have been? 26, 27 year old. They're like all these other college students that get the college game day, you know, Home Depot helmet and whatnot. But I can tell you this: that the energy level there was high. I could feel the energy just absolutely coming through the TV as I'm watching this uh, on Saturday. I SDSU had far more energy than Fargo did. I will just say that right now. It's a it is unbiased as I could possibly get it, but I am so proud of the Brookings community SDSU for getting there and really just showing up and pr- bringing that energy, bringing that noise because they were awesome. Yeah, and the one thing I was uh, I watched the first segment of game day back. I haven't watched all go back. I probably will at some point, but mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, it was clear right away that you know every time they talked about NDSU, NDSU didn't get moved. And yep. I think Reese Davis made a comment about it, you know, that, that they're like, oh, wow, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, every time you talk about North Coast State, the crowd's going to boo, you know, and, and every time SDSU got mentioned, uh, it was going to be big cheers. And yep. uh, there was the Twitter video before game day started of Coastal holding up the helmets and, and stuff yep. and getting everybody pumped up. And, and uh, you know, they're just really good at that. They're really good at knowing uh, how to get people going. And, you know, like we said, SDSU showed up. That was a great thing to have happen. I think it, the rivalry aspect helped fire people up. I, you know, one thing I thought about is that, you know, for good and for bad, SDSU has never had pregame excitement or pregame a pregame event that just got people excited. Yep. Like that you can't ask for a better lead-in to the game. And, right. Uh, you know, the challenge is going to be how do you ever replicate that. If game day never comes back, you know that's yeah. that's just the challenge they have on a weekly basis. But hopefully, this does have some sort of residual effect. I don't know if it will, but that was what I thought. It's like at 11 a.m. when the show was over. I'm like, you can't ask for people to be pumped up or have more people on campus ready for the game than you do right now. You know, yep. the game was still three hours away, but it was kind of amazing how many people just kind of migrated over to the stadium, and there was line for students to get in. Yep. And if they let you know 3,500 in. And there, there were plenty that were turned away because the line was insane. And uh, it was just cool to have that carry over to the game. And there was, you know, people, it, it, there just has never been an SEC run game 
and like that where the crowd was into it all, all day. Absolutely. I mean, if, you know, they had the the 6 a.m. Sports Center bump with Pollock, and he's standing there, and the crowd's wild. Then, you know, Desmond Howard does his thing in the 7 o'clock hour and mentions one player that he wants to see, Jabori Gibbs. And I don't know if you were there at that point, but the, the crowd just went crazy because they yeah. hear, you know, Desmond Howard saying the player he wants to watch is you know, Jabori Gibbs, and then Kirk Herbstreet comes on and talks about it, and he says, look at all these people, he's got, you know, he's got the popcorn, the, the kettle corn in there, and, you know, it's it just, it it was just, you know, the energy there, and I'm sure they probably say that at a lot of these places where they go to for the first time, but I think they genuinely were appreciative, and I'm guessing somewhat taken aback by just how loud it was at Brookings and how how much the the students and and everyone else coming for game day really brought it. Yeah, I think there's two points uh, along that that kind of stick w- stuck with me. I didn't go up on Friday. I just kind of took it in yep. from home. Had to work and and uh, Reese Davis made the point that you know on Thursday night I think he went downtown. He hung out at Cubby's. You know, and hey, he had people just coming up to him and, and thanking him for being there. Yep, he kind of made the remark. What do you say to that? Because, you know, they're grateful that Brookings is taking them in. And it's just kind of a mutual, you know, thanking, if, if that makes yep. sense, where both both sides are grateful for each other. And I think that's great. I think it's great for game day to know that they're in a place where people want to see them. People are excited for that to happen. And I think the comments that Herb Street made in the opening of the show, talking about how it just proves that there's very intense college football fandom all over the country, you know. Um, SDSU feels strongly about their team. NDSU does. You can go down. I mean, pick any local uh, football team that's that's playing. It's going to have our you know a big fan base. Maybe except our friend Will's. Uh, yeah, Minnesota I was Minnesota just going to say that with the sixty nine hundred sixty people on. Yeah. Saturday. But, you know, in almost every other case, uh, there's just there's there's passion fans everywhere, and I think that's absolutely true. And I'm like you said, in the one chance SDSU has to kind of show it they did a good job of showing that uh they're a legitimate fan base and i i even think it it goes beyond just college football and the and the support that they show for the football team i think it's more about the school spirit and the chance to be like hey this as you mentioned college game day is the crown jewel out of any show any sport that you could possibly have like a pregame show come to your university for it is college game day there is nothing across any other sport other spectrum that can even come close to it because the final four and stuff that's at a at a, a football stadium that's not at a at one specific college you know they're not coming to I guess you know college game day for basketball sure but they always go to to the big tens and the, the ACCs yeah. and stuff this is and that's only an hour. This is the crown jewel. And so it's not just to be able to pump up the football program. It's to be able to really show off SDSU, the support that they that the university receives, and just the pride that people have for the university and for the town, but more specifically the university. Yeah, you know, they get 2 million people to watch every week, and, and you hear a lot of people, uh, I don't know what said it, but, you know, Every NFL locker room, they're watching college game day on Saturday because everybody's got a, you know, everybody's got an alma mater. Everybody's got, you know, schools that they're following. And, you know, for a lot of people uh, at tailgates, they're watching college game day if they've got a satellite or any. I mean, it's just, 
it's a way that you and I, every college football fan, starts their Saturday. You yes. know, I just I couldn't imagine college football Saturday without it. And that speaks to the show. Yep. Um, it was interesting. I, I read, I, I just stumbled across it because I went to Notre Dame a couple of years ago for the women's basketball yes. tournament. And, of course, yep. they have their uh, game day in front of touchdown. Jesus, all that I've uh, been to Notre Dame and all that I've seen how game day goes, I'm like, man, that's really tight courts. And then you look up the fullest and you're like, they just pack them in there. You know, they've got kind of a plaza. There's like a, a little water, uh, I don't want to say fountain, but a little pond. And, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that's like a really tight, which you couldn't imagine holding anywhere else in our game, right? It's, it's touchdown Jesus. And, yes. And, uh, you know, I, it's just interesting to think, you know, the first show they had, they just had in like a ballroom with like six people standing in the yeah. background. You know? yeah. But it was on campus. It was one person to see at Notre Dame. And you think about how far they've come. And, um, the other point I was going to make, I, I think you and uh, Travis Krins and I watched some of uh, college game at the Final Four when they were on Nicollet Mall. Yes, and I think yep. It was the exact same. It's the exact same set. It's almost the exact. Uh, you know, because we've got a big screen uh, up top that everybody's watching, and uh, you know, like you said, it's four neutral teams. You know, it's probably just a lot of locals that are just kind of standing there watching in the background when I was there. John Calipari is up on set, and nobody's going wild. They're just kind of standing there watching. Okay, yep. NBA, so football is obviously a completely different animal. Uh, that's a a really uh, you know just really unique, like you said, very, very cool to to have that on campus and to have. You know, that's just basically a three hour infomercial. You know, when I was yes, yeah, yeah. Also making the the point that you know I was having a hard time envisioning. It was it was clear that the location that they picked on campus was the best spot because it, it was big enough to hold everybody in. And mm-hmm. you can't really imagine having college game day and not having the Campanile. Yes, the that was the and, key in all of this. They needed the Campanile. And, and any shot that they could possibly get or have that as the backdrop, um, that that was key. I absolutely agree with that. That is the symbol I, of SDSU. I was, just, I was just kind of struck that the first time they showed the set, you know, with the, with the four guys sitting there, and there's that camp, you know, dead center, and you're just like, yeah, these guys at game day know exactly what it should look like. You know? Yep. You couldn't have positioned the stage any better. You couldn't have the shot lined up any better. Yep. Obviously, they're close. Obviously, you know what you're doing, but it just looked perfect, you know, the, the way they had it set up. And, uh, it just, you look at that, and you're like, that's SDC, you know? And, yep. And I don't expect anybody in Arkansas or Louisiana or in California to know it's SDC, but for the people that have ever been to Brookings or know anything about us just really look like yep. look like Brookings, you know, and that's what you want. You know, I know leading up to the week, you know, Reese Davis was saying, you know, we even want to showcase, you know, the Dakota marker, and he had kind of pleaded it, NDSU fans, I know you'll come out and stuff. Uh, I'm wondering if they were a little disappointed by the NDSU turnout for game day, uh, you know, and in, in, you know, the Dakota marker, of course, yes, they, they did a story on it during, you know, for game day and stuff and to try and put the emphasis on the Dakota marker. But it really seemed to me like they they were telling more about SDSU. And maybe that's because they kind of got the sense that NDSU people just weren't showing up. Like this wasn't going to be the, the 50-50, the 60-40, maybe even the, the 70-30 split that I think some of us and maybe even ESPN kind of envisioned. So yeah, this really turned into more of a pro SDSU show than a Dakota marker or, you know, kind of that, that neutral split, if that makes sense. 
Well, you also have to think, I mean, they've been to Game Day in Richard's place, you know. They, they yes. Spotlighted that fact that this is this, you know, program on the prairie that's won a bunch of national titles and yep. they, it turned out these great players and stuff. So in that way, it's kind of that side of the story has been done. Yep. Um, I think the connection between NDSU and SDSU, uh, the Dakota marker part, they sold correctly, obviously, you know, and, and I think um, – you know, my thought is that, you know, Stig is up the coach Stigler, John Stigler was always talking about how these two teams needed each other and that it was a friendly, you know, it was a friendly thing at first. And, and yep. it, you know, in some ways there is sort of an ultimate respect, but I, I kind of laugh because that probably doesn't really do anything nationally. You know, to say that we needed each other and all this stuff. You know, people people want some hate and then you yes. get some hate when they, you know, they ask Kate Johnson, he's like, yeah, I hate NDSU because they didn't recruit me. And it's like, okay, that that's, you know, that's some intensity. Yes, so, and then he uh, tweets out later, like, I hate losing, and uh, like this, this loss kind of sticks with him. Kay Johnson, I've become such a big fan of his. Yeah, I mean, tremendous player, and and uh, you know has the right attitude. And uh, Christian Roseboom said similar things after the game, just that like we, we plan on playing these guys twice a year anyway, you know, and that you know it, this hurts, but we know there's a good chance we're going to see him again, all that stuff. So you, you from an SEC perspective, you like to to see that that point of it. I just think that. You know, as it relates to game day, um, I think there was probably more to be told with SDSU. Yes. And if they want an NDSU fix, they got it right in the open, and they've got people these replica trophies uh, yep. that they made. You know, and they just show that right away. It's you know a perfect. Uh, and obviously, Reese Davis is a pro. He knows exactly what to say when he's saying that. You know, people talk about the Dakotas just being one place, and you got to pick a side today. I mean, that was perfect. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't frame the game or the conversation better. And, um, all that stuff. And I do want to say before we get too far along, yeah. I thought a lot of the signs were terrific. I yes. thought SGC did a great, I mean, the, a lot of people did a really good job on, on the signs. Uh, I retweeted a couple of my favorites. The Nick Saban uh, one Dakota thing was yes. terrific. Yep. The Pulp Fiction, you know, call San Diego State yes. one time. That yep. was beautiful. So, yep. I mean, there's just a lot of, you know, it's, you want it to feel like game day? I, I think SDSU did a good job. There, they so. they absolutely brought it. And David Pollock, I think, on Friday saying the 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 best college game day sign ever was you know thank you Illinois because that is the yeah. reason why SDSU. I mean, it's very simple, but that's the reason why college game day was in Brookings this week. It was because was uh, Illinois upset Wisconsin the week before. Uh, so game day was going great. I mean, it, it was just it was a lot of fun watching it. And then Pat McAfee comes, and I will admit, Friday night when we were kind of talking about this in our group text, I was a l- like, okay, yeah, it's fine. He held for Adam Vinatieri, but you know, I was kind of hoping more for an SDSU connection, and I could not have been more wrong. Pat McAfee was the bomb. He was the best thing that you could possibly have for a guest picker coming there for game day. Yeah, it was terrific, and really the the best phrase is hype man you know he just came in and he completely embraced the fact that okay i'm sdc's hype man today yep. and uh you know obviously we're with a cutoff shirt sweatshirt thing and and uh really seemed to be enjoying himself uh that was the number one thing i got from the backstage then i you know i kind of stood in the media area and i had one uh, scenario when they were doing the kiss o'brien uh feature the minnesota yep. holder I went up on the set, got some pictures, and there was Dez and Reese and Kirk Herbstreit kind of sit, standing there. So I got a couple photos just on my phone. Mm-hmm. But Pat McAfee was just 
you know, he had a ton of people bugging him for photos and stuff, and he was perfect. You know, wasn't a dink about it. He just seemed to really be enjoying it, and you like to see that. And, yes. Um, SDCU and different groups had him, like, you know, get on their Twitter and tape a video message, and he was perfect. He sold yep. it, you know, uh, terrific. So, um, you, and then, obviously, he got on there, and he knew he had to, you know, sort of bring some energy, and uh, it was just great. It was a great uh, guest picker, and, you know, I... The, I, I had a hunch that that might happen, that he might be on the radar as guest Because exactly as I said, you can't get Vinatieri. He's the ideal guy. Yep. He's the most famous SDSU alum, yep. you know, probably at all. And uh, why not get the guy that's you know a, a firecracker and, and knows Vinatieri well? Mm-hmm. And he's you know the SDSU students, the people in the pit were into it, yelling for the brand and stuff. Yes. Like, yep. I mean that, that's that's perfect, and uh, it was just. After it happened, you're like, I couldn't imagine anybody else doing yes. it. You can't imagine Brock Lesnar or Chad Greenway caring that much, frankly. Yep. Uh, Chad Greenway is a, a great person, but I, I have a hard time believing he would have the the, like the line of the day was please excuse my dumb friend Kirk <laughs> I mean that was, it, it was that was just great I kept playing it over and over and over again that just that little uh, uh you know because they posted the the video on Twitter I just I played it probably a dozen times straight I mean, it's just it's funny as heck yeah I mean terrific terrific line he knew what he needed to say and uh you know uh, Corso picking NDSU, I, I felt like you could kind of see that coming from a mile away, uh, considering that NDSU is probably, you know, going in uh, range a little higher. And uh, I knew he would probably build up the Bison being named after. Yep. And uh, when that first when that first uh, segment happened, and he's saying, "Hey, look out, Bison!" and, and he's holding up the sign. I mean, now he's SDSU's going with Corso, and I knew that it was going to come back at the end with the with the pick from from uh, Corso putting yep. on the bison head. So, do, you know, do, do you and then think... You know, you see that a lot at King Day where, you know, he picks maybe the favorite or you know, he picks against the, the home team and nothing wrong yep. with that. As he likes to say, it's it's, an, it's entertainment. Did so. that bring the energy level down a little bit, though? Like a, kind of a, a thud, you know, to the to the end of a, you know, just an epic morning is the fact that Corso didn't pick the the jackrabbit did you did you get a sense that the crowd was a little dejected i would i would say i don't think so i think that um you know they did they did have a two and two and if you call reese davis they had three and two for us yes so, uh, yeah, yep because he, he had, had picked him for the super dog he did pick him for the super dog and they, they didn't help him out there but um you know i you when you watch game day and i i I can't say I watch every minute of every show, but I do tune in, tune in for the picks. I'll yes. stop whatever I'm doing and I'll watch the last three minutes because I love the picks. Who doesn't? You know? Yes, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, the producers say everything builds to the end of the show, and they're right. It does. It just all comes to that. And so people are still excited, even in Corso, and it helps that Max, once in and off the year, he started pumping everybody up again, you know, and, yep. and um, a lot of people, you know, as soon as that pick was over, people started walking, you know, leaving and, and walking towards the union and that sort of thing, and I expect that, but, um, you know, everything builds to the end of the show, and sure, uh, Corso got booed, he picked, a, picked NDSU, but that really is the perfect crescendo for the end of the show, even, I, if, even if he doesn't pick the home team. I want to ask you about the game, but uh, lastly on game day, and then, and then if you have any other thoughts on it, yeah. do you think that 
SDSU has any shot of hosting game day again. It would have to take, again, like the perfect storm. You'd have to have like one versus two, you know, or one versus three. You'd have to have both NDSU and SDSU ranked high. I don't know, maybe USD if they ever got their poop in a group. But do you see a scenario where game day would come back to Brookings? Be just I guess I guess I'll just flip this right on you to start. What do you think is is the scenario that would bring that bring it back to? I, again, I you're going to have to have a high FCS matchup, or or SDSU would have to win, you know, two straight national championships, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it feels it feels like NDSU SDSU is the only combination that is worth coming to Brookings for. You know, like you said, right now I just SD your USD is so far off the map. Yep, and the rivalry isn't anything right now. They don't play for a trophy. Um, you can't beat them. Right. It's just, you know, we're at least 10 years away from that rivalry being worth hyping up to yes. that degree. Yep. So, it, I think um, it would be purely NDSU at this point, or if SDSU won two consecutive national championships and they'd come back. But because the show was such a hit and because the city embraced it so much, I think they would do the same thing again. Maybe it would, you know, instead of 150%, maybe it would be, you know, 130%. They may not go quite all out a second time, but I think it would still be very good. I just think maybe that it, if the game day experience, if it exceeded ESPN's expectations, that maybe they'll keep Brookings in mind for a future opportunity should things align? Yeah, I I think that's probably fair. I you know I wouldn't I just wouldn't count on it, and I think that's yep. we can all agree that's probably fair. And you know, um, probably won't happen next year. Games in Fargo uh, probably won't happen. You know, but maybe four or five, six years down the line, we're talking about this happening again. Yep. And I think if it happens in the point where it is rare, I think I think as long as SDSU has a vibrant program. Um, People will put the energy behind this. I, I don't know if it will be as well attended, but the energy will be put behind it uh, in the future, and that's really that's all you can ask, I guess, in that regard. Um, you know, there were there were signs up around town. The sign that Corso held up. There were signs all over town. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you know, the SDC did a good job of putting a lot of energy uh, into you know getting everybody to wear blue and getting people into the game. So. Yep. Um, that kind of concerted effort works. I can't. I can't say how many other places are doing that. You know, I don't think when Ohio State's having game day, I don't think that's happening. So um, we could follow Memphis this week and see what they what they and, do. But I don't. Know, even... I think. I think if you're Memphis, I think there's probably little doubt they'll be on Beale Street, and it'll be kind of Fargo-esque in that sense, and it's going to be uh, crazy. Yep. Um, and I think they'll be into it. I mean, Memphis is a big city, and it's a huge game, and I. I looked it up today. Uh, that is the the prime time game on ABC. I mean, that's yep. that's crazy. SMU and Memphis. So, uh, pretty exciting stuff for for those two teams. And you know, it's uh, I don't know this Memphis SMU. I mean, they're planning to get into to the uh, New Year Six. Yes, you know, by, yep. all, by all accounts, they're the, they're the lead. Can't, they're the the lead dog right now. Them in Appalachian State right now. Yes. Yep. Um, do you think Pat McAfee? Could replace Corso as you know as an anal- as a full time analyst once Corso goes, or you know, could you see McAfee being able to put on the headgear and stuff? Um. 
Well, there's part of me that thinks that the headgear is going to be retired when Corso's done. Don't you think? I mean, do you think they just hand that off to somebody else? When you think about the show, it is the, like we just said, it is yep. the culmination, the crescendo of the show. So it's hard to imagine the show without it. But at the same time, it's hard to imagine anybody but Corso doing it. So. I, I agree. They would have to replace it with something, though. Because yeah. you need to yeah. you need to have that as you say that crescendo you need to have something at the end to really make people you know stay tuned in for so i don't know yeah. if you would keep it going and do it in his honor or or what but i could see mcafee being corso's replacement i think i think that's probably fair um i didn't think about him in that way and i think uh, maybe a little bit more um flexible in that way than he would be even as a game announcer i i'll be completely honest i I haven't watched hardly any of the Thursday night college games this year because they just haven't been that appetizing to me. Yes, oh, that's a that's a great East Carolina and Temple does not do anything. For us. <laughs> yeah, I just I can't carve out time for that. So um, I'm sure he's doing a great job, but it seems like he would maybe be you know if you want that hype man, he could be the guy. And I'm having a hard time imagining who else it would be. You know, who else is going to be that? That main, one of those main characters, you know. Uh, Les Miles was talked about at one point, but obviously now he's at Kansas. And I feel pretty confident that when Nick Saban decides to stop coaching, he will be on college game day. Yes. Uh, yep. uh, because he's been good good on TV when in the years Alabama hasn't been in the title game. And he's he's been involved with the, the broadcast. So, um, and obviously ESPN and Nick Saban get along pretty well. So, yes. Um, they just have a they have a lot of characters a lot of uh parts of the show and uh it's it's interesting to think about them adding in somebody else obviously in our scenario of course isn't around anymore and you know I, I would also say i think it was cool that he he was part of the show that came to brookings he's 84 years old yes i don't know how much longer he'll, he'll be doing this mm-hmm. um so it's cool that you know when brookings got game day Corsa was there even if even if he was under a blanket for pretty much the entire show. Yes. So. Yep. Uh, by the way, Minnesota Penn State got the noon Eastern or 11 a.m. Uh, Central Time kickoff slot on ABC in two weeks. So, I mean. Yeah, so it's uh, this is something that probably only you and I care about. But obviously, Fox has had their big noon uh, Saturday thing. They're trying to put the main games in the 11 a.m. time slot. I yep. just figured that it would be a box game because they had this slot, but apparently basically ESPN, ABC, and Big Ten Network, and Fox all draft for positioning, and it sounds like this was, that was ABC's week to basically have uh, first pick, and I was assuming took that game because Ohio State is playing somebody uh, in that in that big noon Yep. Uh, Fox slot on the ninth. So it, it's uh, that, ve- was, that was interesting. It's very likely that College Game Day will be in bat or it will be in Tuscaloosa for LSU and Alabama. But there have but until that announcement has been made, there have been times where College Game Day has been at you know the university you know and there's an 11 o'clock game and they move the show into the stadium and then Kirk gets shuttled up to you know to the booth you know lickety split I remember that for Michigan Ohio State a few times so I think I think they did it for Louisville too a couple years back so it's not inconceivable that college game day couldn't be there but it 
highly unlikely at this point, but at least you're in that main 11 a.m. slot, which I think is, and you're on ABC, which is pretty big, and that's very significant. Yeah, I was thinking, I mean, Minnesota has played uh, a fair amount of games on ABC, at least in my time of following them, but never a game of this magnitude, never a game where, frankly, they had a decent chance of winning, and I think they do. Yes, Um, I I agree. Penn State's good, but um, I know there's been years where where they didn't have any business uh, being on ABC, and so um, it's exciting. I I agree with you. There's there's always a chance, uh, but it, it's hard to imagine them p- p- bypassing one versus two. And and uh, I I think uh, Stuart Mandel uh, of the Athletic made the point that um, they're one and two in the polls right now, but it, there's a good chance they won't be one and two in the playoff rankings, which is basically mm. starting next week is yep. what everybody goes off of, you know? So that that will be a little bit awkward if it's one and three, you know, because um, there's a chance Ohio State will be uh, that, that number two team. So um, They could even is, be number one. Uh, this could, It could be LSU yeah. two and Alabama three. I think Ohio State's got a great chance to be number one. Yeah, and then um, – I'm not I'm not somebody who gets super hyped up about those first playoff rankings because it's just a little early for me. But mm-hmm. um, that is there is a chance that if you know, basically these networks move the college football rankings as the rankings that matter once those come out. So yep. um, that is something to think about. It's probably going to be an AP one versus two, but um, that is an interesting uh, fold to think about. And you know, just a really exciting college football Saturday, given that we will have. Uh, Minnesota playing, I mean, the biggest game in in uh, almost 20 years uh, for them, yep. and they have it at home, and they might, you know, depending on how this weekend goes, they might be in the top 10 if there's enough upsets, mm-hmm. and uh, and then it feeds right into LSU and Alabama, so um, exciting stuff, and, and certainly something to be fired up about. If you're a game day fan, I mean, they've put so much, obviously, P.J. Fleck has been um, already lobbying, and in a lot of ways... He kind of has to, right? Rightfully if you're going so. Against one versus two, you might as well put yourself out there. Yep. Um, I think people are going to be a little disappointed. Obviously, if it doesn't happen, I think that they should be putting a lot more energy into Minnesota Wisconsin team this year uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. That's the game that I think, if Minnesota's 10, uh, 10 and one, um, that's the game that they could get game day for. I, I haven't looked at the rest of the schedule, but. Yeah, I could give I it. Just, I'll give it to you right now because I've been looking at it uh, okay. constantly. They have Penn State on the ninth. They are at Iowa on the sixteenth, at Northwestern, and then home to Wisconsin. So yeah, I, I meant I meant more so the rivalry game schedule. Oh, oh yeah, I'm I'm sorry. And, and, and obviously you've got Michigan, Ohio State. You've got the classic games. You've got the Iron Bowl, uh, Alabama, Auburn. So those are all kind of in the in the fold. I'm, you know, Clemson against South Carolina. I don't know where that game's at this year, but South Carolina is not too bad. You know, so um, it's you kind of have a lot of games to compete with. But yep. if Wisconsin doesn't fall apart, there's a chance that's for the Big Ten West title, and that's the excuse that they would have to come yep. to Minneapolis almost in December, which would be pretty crazy. Those games, uh, Alabama, Auburn, the Iron Bowl, that could be significant if. Auburn doesn't lose again right now. They're six and two. Of course, Alabama's undefeated. The Clemson South Carolina game is in South Carolina. Uh, you know, you do have Wisconsin, Minnesota. I'm not seeing any other 
you know, they sure as hell ain't going to go to Northwestern Illinois or Arizona, <laughs> Arizona State. I mean, that's just not going to happen. I, 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 mean, I haven't looked, but I know that Michigan Ohio State is on Fox. It's yes. an 11 a.m. game. And yep. I bet a lot of money that Fox will have their pregame show there. So yep. you can pretty, I would imagine you can cross that one off as far as. Um, but man, Michigan's been playing better, so maybe that's maybe that is a game. I don't know, but um, yeah, there's yeah, really not a that, there's there's not a whole lot that I'm seeing here that could could take down Wisconsin Minnesota if that is uh, of significance. Because what you know, I'm going to check Wisconsin's schedule here. There, they host Iowa this week. Well, that's a win. They're at Nebraska. That should be a win. They host Purdue. That will be a win. There's a chance that yeah, Wisconsin could be nine and two, and. You know, Minnesota at that point, hopefully, is ten and one. Yeah, that you're right. Yeah, if, if that plays out, that would be a uh, that would be the likely destination. Yeah, and I just think it's you know I, I certainly hold the candle up for two weeks uh, and, and hope that maybe that's the game that the college game day picks. But I wouldn't rule out that Thanksgiving weekend uh, game on the thirtieth because. Uh, that that's an intriguing game, and unfortunately for Minnesota, there's a chance it will the Big Ten West uh, title will come down to that weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to ask you, uh, and I appreciate all the time. Uh, it, yeah, absolutely. With yeah. this, uh, it's been a lot of fun, and just kind of. I mean, this is was a once in a lifetime, hopefully not a once in a lifetime opportunity, but potentially with game day going to Brookings. As for the game itself. I fully believe that if Jabori Gibbs does not get injured in the second quarter, that SDSU wins that game. Uh, I just don't see their their passing game would have been as anemic as it was after that point. Uh, you know, Kay Johnson certainly would have caught a, a few more passes, and I did think that you know a couple of pre snap penalties, uh, you know, the false start and an illegal formation after Pierre Strong got a first down. I believe that was a uh, on one of the drives in the second half that kind of killed some of the ment- momentum there. But if Gibbs doesn't get injured, SDSU wins that game. Do you agree with that uh, assessment? It's it's hard to think about how the game ended and not come to that that belief. You know, just just how com- I mean, the fact that it was tied with you know uh, three minutes to go, and the fact that SDSU had the ball uh, in scoring position with four or four and a half minutes left, um, and they weren't they were doing it mostly without a passing game. Uh, that they ran the ball as well as they did. I mean, Pierre Strong was he's terrific in that game. Yep. Um, and they're they're playing. You know, the, the perfect question uh, was asked in the press conference to John Sycamore. Did you, you know, with all this hype, did you imagine that you would be playing your third string quarterback? He just kind of laughed. And, you know, of course, no, you're not. No. You're not <laughs> planning on that. Uh, but the, they were in the game. I, you know, SDSU I, rightly has passed the moral victories part of this, but um, Jabori Gibbs just brings a completely different complexion to the game and um it's a difficult position to be in uh to put in either of the backups in but it's it's fair that there's a drop-off after after gives and uh, i think that's really the concern going forward Jabari gives is a tremendous player but you want to see him on the field and unfortunately um that seemed to be a pretty innocuous tackle that he got hurt on um I forget who said it, but there seemed to be some hinting that maybe he had been injured previously and he maybe made it worse. I'm reading into that. That's that, I wouldn't say that confirmed by any means, but that mm-hmm. was kind of what I was gathering because it didn't seem like a very serious hit. So, um, you know, if you're SDSU, now you really, you really got to evaluate. They play at Missouri State this week. 
if it's not a letdown game, they're going to win. Um, even with uh, Cannon Nelson or, or Keaton Heidi at quarterback. Or And honestly, I, it, I don't know how far in the weeds we want to get on this, but I would um, to me, Heidi is a good, a good thrower. Yep. Nelson is a good runner. Neither one of them is amazing at the other the other skill. Yeah. Um, I think they're both kind of capable. I, you know, I had a little bit more optimistic view of Nelson's game. He, he had some overthrows, but if he connects on those, those guys are open. Uh, it's a different game, and uh, that that's all you can ask for. So I would consider playing them both. Uh, I I agree. You know, from an offense philosophy, I know that's never a great strategy. You know, two quarterbacks, you've got zero quarterbacks. But um, I think that's something to think about because why not Why not play them both? If they both kind of have some threats and uh, they both also have some, some strengths, uh, yep. clear strengths, why not uh, make it difficult? I absolutely agree with that because it doesn't matter if it's a tell or not. You know, you know when they bring him on, Missouri State doesn't have the athletes to be able – they just, they aren't as skilled to be able to stop – you know, a, a pass or, you know, they because SDSU will get it to Cade Johnson or swing it out of the backfield, you know, Adam Anderson. They will do it. They, they will do whatever yeah. they need to against Missouri State. I just want Gibbs healthy. Uh, and I believe it was on that, that drive where they threw the interception. I believe they had a false start that pushed them back from a third they, and they two have. to third and seven. And yeah, it was yeah. It ended up being third and nine, but yeah, you're or third right. and nine. Yep. So that uh, you're you're gonna run, I believe, at that point too, because you're in field goal range. I wonder if you know, if, you know, Stiglmeyer would, would in, if he would want that play call back and would rather run the ball and give Vinatieri a chance to, um, to kick that game uh, potentially the game winning field goal instead of throwing that pick. Uh, he, he basically acknowledged as much. He basically said, as a coaching staff, we have to be smart enough to know the situation and, and basically, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but not put our quarterback in that kind of position. Do you, the, quarterback, the quarterback did not make a good throw, but uh, he took some responsibility saying that we, we should have been better on that spot. So I thought that was good ownership yep. uh, by Stiglmeyer to acknowledge that you've got a, a kid only, you know, in there for this, I think, second time this year, maybe maybe third um so yeah it's it's a difficult position and i i think the, the question is, is i i've heard i guess today that it, it may be serious with with gibbs to the point where he may be missing multiple weeks I mean, if that's the case um SCSU is gonna have some i mean they're gonna have two difficult games remaining you and i yep and Illinois State, both those teams could be in the top 10 when they play them yep um so you want Gibbs back, but at the same point, it's like they're, they're clearly their most dangerous victims, and they're probably a playoff team right now anyway. Yes. You kind of just bank on them beating um, USD and, yep. and Missouri State. So, um, you know, it's an interesting conundrum to think about. You know, do you try to get Gibbs back out there, or do you just kind of play for the playoffs, and wherever you get seated, you get seated or not seated? Um I don't know. It's a difficult position to be in. We won't know, obviously, until they start playing some of these games out. But um, it's, it, this becomes a lot more interesting final four weeks because of that, unfortunately. And I know NDSU is is a great team. You know, they got a freshman quarterback, and he's going to get better and better year after year. By the way, shout out uh, Marshall, Minnesota got a shout out on game day, which was which was nice. But I wish uh, Lance uh, or Trey Lance wasn't on the on the Bison side, but. 
I wasn't really impressed with NDSU's offense in particular. I thought SDSU did a very good job against Lance. And apart from a 71-yard touchdown run there at the end and that 59-yarder earlier, SDSU really bottled up that offense pretty well throughout the entire game, minus those two big plays. Yeah, that's what's painful about about that loss is that, unfortunately, NDSU is always capable of plays like that. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a tough position to just know that they're always capable of hitting uh, an open tight end in the end zone. It seems like NDSU's tight ends are always open. You've uh, <laughs> yeah. got, you know, SDSU rightly loaded up for a quarterback sneak, and they just ran an off-tackle play and busted it. And, uh, you know, that stinks. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, just a couple couple gambles, a couple big plays. I mean, uh, Matt Enns, the coach for NDSU, and I know it's been talked about in Fargo this week, uh, a lot of gambles in this game. Went for two when he didn't need to go for two. Yep. Uh, ended up only being a 10-point game. That left the door open for SDSU to come back and tie it. Yep. Had a very odd halfback pass that ended up getting picked off. It seemed to give SDC that opening. And then fourth and one on your own 29. You know, it's obviously the play was made. They, they went 71 yards. If SDC stops in there, the Jacks are winning the Dakota marker. Yep. And uh, they're maybe the number one team in the country this week. So um, That's even more painful then to know that it was fourth and one you could stop them. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, uh, you know, in your own territory. It was, I think it was the right call. It was, four, you know, six inches. NDSU's probably going to get that. But yep. um, that's that's a worthwhile gamble on their part. But, yeah, that's a that's a difficult way for that to, to finish. And, and, you know, I do want to just make one quick aside. Yeah. Last week, uh, on Saturday, I saw some final pictures from Missouri State. Uh, they had homecoming last week. They horrible home crowd i mean they had a huge uh you know a couple thousand fans and then the marching band played at halftime and like everybody left so you couldn't ask for a bigger drop off in intensity between two games mm-hmm. than you're probably going to have this weekend stc may have more fans yes. in springfield than than uh missouri state does so that may be the biggest challenge of all uh this weekend is just bringing your own energy to this game so um but if you do i if you do see the Twitter pictures, they are hilarious because it's just a, a big uh, crowd of nothingness, really. And, uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's just got to bring some energy, and they've got to find a way to, uh, to get a win. Because, you know, as has been touched on by, by Matt Zimmer and some other people, it's just really happy to step in their toes in games after. They're sort of late in the season after the NDC game. Yep. Uh, that kind of ruins their, their chances for better shooting. They cannot afford that. They have to find a way to win the final four games in the regular season. Yep, absolutely. We go the the goals go one and zero each week. I think they will. I think you know they might toy with Missouri State a little bit, keep them around for the, you know the early portion, and then say, okay, enough of this. We're going to take care of of business here. Um, yeah, yeah. I I, I want to address your question. I, I thought any issue was. Um, Obviously, could run the ball. Trey Lance is a, is a good quarterback, and he's going to get better. Yep, you know, hasn't thrown a pick all year, but their passing game did leave some some things to be desired. And uh, you know, SC's up front, they could job rotating the defensive linemen and not allowing uh, the Bison to just push them around all day. And so, those are positives going forward. But unfortunately, if there is a rematch um, before Frisco, it's going to be in Fargo. Right? Yes. 
Um, the games are just different there, unfortunately. And, yep. so, and that's why this uh, game was so important for you know for both teams because it's going to decide who had the home field advantage. And I I think it's just the the NDSU offense to me is different this year than in years past because they could they could bleed you to death. You know, four yards here, five yards there. They would just yes, they had that big play capability, but you knew they could pick up you know the four or five yards if they needed to. I don't get that the sense from this team this year that they can do that at will. I just they, I don't they still have they still have the big play hitters, but I agree. They're not as adept at converting, you know, like exactly what you're saying. If you need six, you get seven. If you need four, you get five. They're mm-hmm. not they're not geared quite that way. And so um, and, and they're certainly capable of figuring it out by all means. But yes. um, they are not they're either like the big play you know and and I saw NDSU fans complaining that it seemed like their passing game was either all or just a little bit at a time. Uh, and there was no kind of middle passing game. Uh, and so um, they were kind of making a critique that it seemed like the plays were just pulled at random. And you hate to see that from a play calling standpoint. You want the plays to lead into each other and have some sort of rhythm. So, um, you know, of course, there ain't no, uh, they'll be fine. Yep. Uh, but. You know, bison people uh, have to have something to complain about. Oh, course, yeah, so. uh, of course. Uh, nauseating uh, fan base as there is uh, maybe <laughs> second only to the New England Patriots. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and you know what? Cliff Kingsbury must have been watching this game because he went for it on fourth and one in the Saints-Cardinals game uh, from his own 29, and he didn't get it. So uh, it, it did it, not work out quite as well he, for him. He, he thought, you know, if NDSU can do it, uh, the Arizona Cardinals can do it. Uh, clearly that wasn't the case. Uh, but Marcus, I always appreciate the time. I'm glad we could uh, t- talk about game day. It was a great uh, experience, great week, and I'm, I know we'll be talking down the down the line. But uh, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Take care, stacking. Thank you, Marcus Traxler, Mitchell Daily Republic. Kind enough to join us. Uh, great stuff there as always. Um, just fantastic stuff. He, he gives you such great insight. Uh, he was there and stuff. We're gonna try and get Matt Zimmer on. Um, not this week, next week, but we'll, we'll try and get him to discuss, uh, to get his aspect because the Argus leader did a lot of stuff with that. Um, and so we'll get his thoughts on game day and the game itself as well. A heartbreaking defeat. And it what just sucks more is that, you know, that this is like as good of an SDSU team as we've ever seen that can beat NDSU and just, Something always happens. It, and it wasn't SDSU's fault. It, give NDSU credit, but Jabori Gibbs plays. Man, SDSU wins. No doubt about it. Uh, we'll keep talking game day, make some picks, NFL picks, look back at week eight, make week nine picks. That's coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast. Now available on podcast.com. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, uh, continuing our college game day uh, talk and discussion, and pleased to be joined by Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader, who uh, spent a lot of time around game day. Matt, have you fully recovered from last week and the busyness that ensued everything? Uh, well, you know, I told a few people the thing that worked out great for me was the Vikings playing on Thursday night football. Yes. Because that way I was able to spend all day Sunday sleeping rather than uh, having to carve out three hours to watch the Vikings so uh, long day Saturday after a long week and then I pretty much spent all day Sunday 
uh, in bed, kind of trying to trying to recharge the battery. <laughs> hey, that sounds like a great plan and a great idea. There, I'm glad you were able to do that. And uh, I mean, we could go on and on about how great game day was, but can you put into uh, perspective just the entire week? Uh, and what this potentially could mean for the for Jackrabbit football and for SDSU? Uh, I think he, it's, it's the the biggest weekend in the history of South Dakota State athletics. The biggest week, and uh, that's kind of a funny thing to say because I remember uh, when game day came to Fargo, kind of observing from a few hours away and seeing the coverage uh, in the Fargo media, and thinking it was kind of silly. You know, mm-hmm. and being like, is this really that big a deal? Like, why are you people making such a big deal? A national championship football team, this is a big deal. And then when they announced they were coming here, I was kind of like, okay, well, how big a deal is it? You know, are we going to do the same thing? Or would it be stupid if we did? And within just a few hours, you kind of realize the energy that it brought. I mean, obviously to Brookings in the campus at South Dakota State, but really the whole region. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I... We were doing, We had our entire staff at the Argus Leader working on game day stuff. It wasn't just me, <laughs> and and I mean it was. And people could not get enough of it. I mean, right. there was no, you know, like people saying like, why, you know, you're overdoing it, or why did you make it such a big deal? Like people were like, more, 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 more. Yes, yeah. It just was was such a big deal, and uh, to then to then you know be there and experience it, uh, both on Friday, once you know the stage was set up and they brought the students out for college football live, kind of gave you the first taste of it, and then. You know, kids uh, camping out overnight to be there first thing Saturday morning and being there all day Saturday. I mean, it was a spectacle and it was on the national stage and it was uh, it was surreal to be watching that, you know, to be there and watching the screen at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. and like see, seeing on TV what you were, you know, standing there in the middle of. Uh, it was very surreal. And it was even, you know, for some, I didn't go to South Dakota State. You know, I just cover them for a living, but yep. it was emotional. I mean, it was like a a proud moment for me, I think, just as a, a native South Dakotan, because I've lived here my whole life, and I go back to, you know, the Division Two era where no one ever would have imagined anything like this. Right. So, I mean, would have been nice if they won the football game. Yes, they would. But uh, the whole thing was just uh, a, a really special week and special weekend, and, um, you know, I got to know some of the ESPN people pretty well over the course of the week. They were awesome, by the way, really, yep. really cool and accommodating and everything. Uh, but after it was over and they were, you know, packing up and getting ready to leave, I was talking to a few of their producers and they were like, this was awesome. We loved it here. This was great. There was no sense of like, oh, well, this was a mistake or this place is too small. We're never coming back here. They were really happy with how it went. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they come back someday. I, that was going to be my next question to you is, did it exceed the, did the whole experience of the whole week exceed ESPN's expectations and how realistic is it that they'll come back? I mean, does it? It's probably going to take SDSU either being a national champion or another big matchup pitting NDSU versus SDSU, a highly ranked FCS matchup. Of course, a few other things have to go, you know, right in the FBS level, like Illinois beating Wisconsin. But just how realistic yeah. is it that they'll they could come back in the future some at some point? I would think it's probably more of a long-term thing. I wouldn't expect it next year or the next mm-hmm. five years or anything like that. Uh, and I do think unless South Dakota State, you know, gets to where the Bison are, and I just don't see that happening in large part because they're not in a big city like the Bison are. Yep. Um, I, I don't think they'll ever be a story unto themselves the way the Bison were. I think it would have to be a part of probably the Dakota marker rivalry. Maybe if USD some, someday got 
up to the level that the Bison and the Jacks are at right now, where you had another, you know, like what if someday it's SDSU and USC are number one and number two in the nation? Uh, then maybe something like that could happen. Otherwise, I think it would have to be of, of the Dakota marker again that they just said, hey, that was awesome, let's go back. I mean, they've kind of turned the Army-Navy game into almost an annual thing for college game day. They go to that almost every year. Yep. So I, I don't think it would ever be like that. Um, but I could see it being a thing that they're like, hey, this is pretty cool. We're going to check in on them every few years. I know. As far as, you know yep. oh, no, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, you asked if they exceeded their expectations. I, I don't know if they exceeded them because their expectations are pretty high. You know, that's if they come to a place, they're like, hey, we're coming here because we're pretty sure it's going to be a party and it's going to work out. And at least for the first time, especially a place in a smaller community, uh, they know what the reception is going to be. Uh, having said that, I still think, you know, the way Brookings showed out, the way the students did, and also the way that SDSU kind of took care of it themselves. Like, if you remember when Reese Davis made that video announcing they were coming, mm-hmm. he made a point He made a point to say, Bison fans, we need you to come down. Yes. It's almost like they were kind of saying, like, we're not sure if SDSU can carry this thing by itself. Yep. So we want some of you Bison fans to come down and make it into an event. And I totally understand them thinking that. But it didn't play out that way. I mean, there were there was almost no Bison contingent at game day. Right. Uh, there was a, a, a pretty good portion at the actual game, although not as much as a lot of people speculated. But this was not as a lot of Bison fans and even Coyote fans were throwing out sort of disparagingly like, oh, they're not coming for you. This is a Bison game day. It just happens to be in Brookings. It wasn't like that at all. This was, I mean, it was obviously the marker was the rivalry was the driving force, but this was SDSU's weekend, and they made the most of it. Yeah, it's almost like we're telepathic right now because I was going to ask that be- about you know the the lack of Bison people there and how you know Reese Davis and ESPN were kind of emphasizing yeah that this is the Dakota marker and it just seemed like it kind of fed more into a showcase for South Dakota State and yes they did do a story on the Dakota marker but it really became more of that know, for lack of a better term like a three hour promotion for South Dakota State. Yeah, I thought it kind of did, and that just, you know, you asked earlier, you know, what what's sort of the value of that, what does that mean to South Dakota State, I mean, I don't know if you can put a price on it, and nope. that doesn't mean that it's like, this, I mean, like, I don't think automatically the Jacks are going to, like, you know, win the national championship next year, or win five of them in the next decade, or anything like that, but, I mean, it's a huge deal for national exposure, for ex- expanding your recruiting footprint, uh, for credibility of the institution, you know, there's an awful lot of people who watch that show who probably don't know much about South Dakota State, or even if they did, what they did know was probably like, oh yeah, that's that small school that has a pretty good basketball team and a pretty good football team. Mm-hmm. But that's a far cry from you know being on college game day and seeing those pictures of a sea of blue and yellow and pictures of the stadium and the Dykehouse facilities and you know the players getting a chance to talk to Tom Rinaldi and talk about what they love about South Dakota State. Now granted, North Dakota State got the same chance to do that twice a few years ago, and, yep. and they're track record speaks for itself, but you know, if you're any school other than NDSU in the Missouri Valley, uh, you're probably looking at that going great. That's just what we needed is for SDSU to have. They already have the best stadium and and a bunch of other advantages, and, and now that. And, you know, even for College Football Live, I think Jason Fitz said that this was the largest and most energetic crowd they had ever had for College Football Live, and I don't know if he was just you know, speaking and, you know, hyperbole or, you know, just trying to right, right, think. Right. But I have to imagine they don't they don't say those things 
lightly, and they probably aren't going to lie about it. I I've seen college football live too you know, on when they've been to other campuses, you know, during game day. It's not like that. SDSU really shelled all out for it uh, beginning on Friday. They did, and uh, like I said, you know, obviously, kind of like you're getting at when you get these guys on camera. Sometimes, you know, they're obviously going to kind of kiss everybody's ass and say like, "Oh, yep. this is great, and we love it so much." And you yep. kind of expect that, but. But like I said, me and a lot of other people in the media had, you know, a lot of, you know, just totally off the record, just casual conversations with a lot of ESPN folks, and you could tell they were they were happy. I mean, I don't know that they were like knocked out of the park, like, oh my God, we've never seen anything like this. I mean, they've seen everything. Yes. Uh, but, but but there was definitely a sense of like, hey, good job, SDSU. Like, you know, we we uh, gave you an opportunity and you knocked it out of the park. It was great that the setting was fantastic. You had the Campanile in the background, which I think was needed. I think there was some talk that maybe they were going to look towards downtown, but you, you can't have a game day there in Brookings without you know having the Campanile and that image in the background. So I thought the, the setting for the show was really fantastic. Yeah, I thought College Green was the perfect place to put it. I had never really, I mean, as long as I've been covering the Jacks, I don't really spend any time on campus. You know, I'm just at either the basketball arena or the football stadiums even mm-hmm. i hadn't really been that deep into the campus before and when i walked out there on friday before the crowd had even showed up i was like oh this is perfect and it was really a nice setup and it didn't hurt that the weather was perfect for both days too. right yep yeah, yeah you absolutely they they lucked out with the weather there no doubt as for the game itself i think the question on every jacks fan's mind and i don't know if you have an update i saw the the tweet yesterday but is there a status update on Jabori Gibbs, or is the the season kind of in the hands now of uh, Kanan Nelson or the the third string quarterback whose name is escaping me right now? Keaton Heidi. Keaton Heidi, thank you. I not him. I mean, when the season started, he was supposed to be like fifth string, and now he's probably the starter. So um, I think people are going to get to know that name a little bit more. He's uh, worked his way up the depth chart. They really like him, but yeah, they did not recruit him this year thinking he was going to be playing right away. Um, but I think he's going to be. Uh, I haven't got an official diagnosis on Jabore Gibbs, and that but, you know they don't want to tell me that. It's not like the coaches are in a hurry to advertise what happened to their quarterback. Yep. So then um, you know, there's a, it's not like the NFL where they have to give an injury report. Report they don't. Right. You know, and so they don't want to. Um, but everyone saw it. You know, it was a non non contact injury, which is never good. Um, and then when he came out of the locker room in the second half, you know, big ice pack on his around his knee, around his leg. I mean, he was clearly not walking well. Um, the only thing was, at the time, at, at halftime, the coaches came back up to the booth, and I asked one of them, how's Jabore? And he was like, well, not good. He's not going to finish the game. He's like, we don't think it's serious. And so it sounded like maybe, okay, miss the Missouri State game because you can, because you know you can beat them with you or me playing quarterback. But then thinking, you know, you get him back the week, the next week, hopefully. Uh, I had heard rumors of a sprain which would have been really good news. But then everything I've heard since then is that we're talking tear. And mm. I've heard the letters A, and I've heard the letters C, and I've heard the letters L. Yeah. I don't know, like I said yet, if that's official. Yeah. But if it is, obviously, his season is over. Uh, and even best-case scenario, you know, John Spiegelmeyer was on the radio with Tyler on Monday, and yep. he did his weekly video thing, and you could tell there was no optimism whatsoever as far as, you know, Jabore is concerned and getting him back this year, so... Looks like he's probably done, and that's a, obviously a huge, huge blow to this football team because he was just starting to come into his own as their quarterback. It is, because it, it is devastating news because with how well the defense has played, and I 
I, it, you know, feel free to disagree with me or not, but I think if Jabori plays that entire game, STSU wins barely handedly. I was not like NDSU did have a couple of nice long runs, including that game winning touchdown, the 71 yarder on fourth and one, but I didn't see anything, you know, that, that said, Oh, like this game would have been close. The fact that SDSU had been able to tie it with second, with a backup quarterback and then third string in there and to lose only by seven, I think if Jabori plays that entire game, they win. It's hard not to think that, and but I'm kind of with you. Like I, I didn't put it in terms so much of like, oh, if Jabori plays, they win this game. I was just more like, is this it from the Bison? Yeah. Like they didn't, they didn't impress me, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful or insulting way at all. I mean they're they're eight no, they won 29 games in a row, and they took care of business and did what championship teams do on the road to win a game. Having said that, uh, when Jabori goes out of the game, it, you know the Jacks offense could not have been more one-dimensional. And the Jacks kept moving the ball. They were running it down the field. And I'm kind of looking around going, how are you not stopping them? Right. You know, how do you not have nine guys in the box? They can't throw. Yeah. And uh, then, then just like you said, I mean, obviously Cannon Nelson was struggling to throw the football. They bring in Keaton Heidi. And he didn't even necessarily do anything so much throwing the ball. I think he completed two passes, but it at least gave him a threat that, like, okay, this guy can throw it a little bit better. And backed him off, and he goes down and makes a veteran play to pull it on that option and score a touchdown, and we're kind of looking at each other in the press box, going like, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> right. like, when, when Gibbs went out, everyone just kind of was like, well, this game's over, and figured the Bison were going to win by two touchdowns, and the fact that it didn't play out that way at all, um, I think that is enough to give Jacks fans some hope. I don't think, even if we find out tomorrow that, yes, Jory Gibbs tore ACL, he's never coming back this, this season. I don't think you have to jump ship and say, well, this season's over right. based on what we saw on Saturday. Oh, a- absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, I even looked at the, There were two penalties in the second half, I believe, one on the first drive of the second half. I think it was an illegal procedure penalty that negated a first down or illegal formation penalty. And then, of course, you have that false start on the, the second-to-last drive of the game, the game that had the interception or the drive that had the interception. You know, if, if, that, doesn't, if that false start doesn't happen – Let's say, you know, they pick up a couple yards, you know, Chase comes out and kicks a field goal. SDSU could have won 19-16. And, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think about it. And that I think that's what hurts Jacks fans the most is that we know that this is the, the most complete team or the best team that we've seen. And it's like, it's still, it's not enough to get by NDSU. Something has to happen. And this seemed, you know, totally out of their control. It's just, it's like, when, when will they get, be able to get over that hump? I don't know, and I mean, we've we've all kind of wondered if begins at NDSU has a <clears throat> excuse me a new coach this year and a new quarterback. Are they a little more vulnerable? Didn't look like it the way the season started. They uh, you know dominated almost everyone they played the first two weeks, but now the last you know they only beat Missouri State twenty two to nothing at yeah. home. That was weird. Yes, and then uh, this past week, like I said, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to disparage the Bison. I mean, their resume is unimpeachable, but I just thought with a the Jacks playing without Gibbs for essentially the whole game to still have a chance to win, that makes me question, you know, if the Bison are really unbeatable, if they're really just going to coast to another national championship. I don't think you can say that they are. And if Keaton Heidi, I mean, God, that's so much to ask of a true freshman, and everyone knows that. Uh, maybe, And, you know, maybe they have to play both quarterbacks going forward so that not because Cannon Nelson necessarily brings a lot to the table, but just so that you're not putting all the pressure on that true freshman to take all the snaps all the time. But if the running game continues to perform and the defense plays well, 
there's no reason this team can't win out. And if they do get a, you know, say a two or a three seed and avoid being on the same side of the bracket as NDSU, mm-hmm. you look at the rest of the field and how everyone else is playing, there's teams in the top ten that North Dakota State and some other teams have absolutely dominated. Yes. So it kind of makes you think, like, like, are we afraid of Kennesaw State? No. Or Weber State? Like, yeah, I just don't think so. It would so, be James Madison, pretty much, and that would be it, right? Apart from North Dakota yeah, I, State. I mean, uh, Sacramento State is doing some interesting things. They're undefeated, and I think they have the number one strength of schedule in FCS. So, you know, I'm not ruling them out. Uh, but, yeah, based on what we've seen from a lot of these big sky teams and certainly some of those teams from down south, there's just not a lot to, to a lot of reason to be afraid of them or whatever. So I think the important thing for the Jacks is going to be the next couple weeks. If they can avoid, you know, having that, oh, geez, our quarterback's out, kind of having that feeling sorry for themselves, letdown sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they can, and if, and if they can win out and get a high seed, I think they can still get to Frisco. It'll be a lot tougher now, but I don't think you can rule it out. Absolutely. Do you foresee them maybe playing both quarterbacks there, like bringing uh, Heidi in for more of the passing situations and Nelson maybe more for the running, you know, doing those, you know, the options, so to speak? It's hard to say. I mean, uh, we, don't, we don't really know yet because they have, you know, nothing has been official yet. And um, obviously, Cannon has struggled as a passer. He just doesn't bring much from that side of it. Uh, but he's a fourth-year veteran, and he is a good athlete. He has had success running the ball. And in fairness to him, he hasn't turned the ball. I take that back. He's turned the ball over. He hasn't thrown any interceptions. Um, I think he does kind of understand his limitations. Uh, they went 2-0 and when he was a starter. Now, granted, they weren't playing anybody, but he didn't make mistakes. So I don't think it's this situation where you go, well, he had his chance, and he's done, and now we're all in on Keaton Heidi. Mm-hmm. I think this week, because they're playing Missouri State, I think you have to give Keaton Heidi almost, if not all, the reps, because he needs the experience. I mean, he's a rookie. He went from, like I said, he was, a couple weeks ago, he's like fifth on the depth chart, now all of a sudden he's the starter, yep. supposedly. you got to get him a bunch of reps. you got to try and get him caught up as quickly as you can. He is the better passer of the two. But you also don't want to be in this situation where either A, you're asking Keaton Heidi to do everything, that's asking an awful lot, mm-hmm. or B, you're yeah, okay, you're splitting two quarterbacks, but you can't have it where the other team just knows, like, okay, Keaton Heidi's in there, they're going to pass. Cannon Nelson's in there, they're going to run. Like, that's just a little bit too predictable. Yep. So they're going to have to sort of find some sort of formula. But my guess is, assuming, like I said, I think Keaton Heidi will get most of, if not all, the reps this week. But going forward, I think you have to keep Cannon Nelson in the picture just so that you're not overwhelming Keaton Heidi and making him feel like, okay, dude, it's all on you to get us to Frisco. That's an awful lot to ask of an 18-year-old. Right. You maybe could do some like Taysom Hill uh, sort of things with the with the Saints there. Yeah, you'll be able to put uh, Nelson into that sort of situation. And I think Cliff Kingsbury was clearly watching NDSU SDSU because he went for it on fourth and one from his own twenty nine. and thought the Bison, you know, got it to work. So why can't he? Maybe the Bison have some better running backs. Uh, last question here: Did you get to meet Pat McAfee? Did you get to talk to him? And I mean, I think he was uh, about as good of a. a personality as big of a celebrity and a guest picker as college game day could possibly get yeah he was awesome uh we did not get to meet him uh, after the he finished his segment we asked if he would come and do like a, a little quick scrum with all the reporters that were there and it was funny the espn guy walked up to him he goes pat there's some reporters here that would like to talk to you and he goes yeah sure and then just as he was walking over to talk to us some other person grabbed him and was like no dude you got to get on a plane right now you got to go and he was like oh 
sorry guys, bye. So he was willing to do it, but someone pulled him away so he didn't get the chance to. But uh, I agree with you. I thought he was great. I could care less if couldn't care less if uh, he had any affiliation really with Brookings or South Dakota State. Uh, he was he was really entertaining for his segment. Yeah, and you know what? He knew Adam Vinatieri, and it was great to see Adam Vinatieri give a shout out on game day, and yeah. just fantastic yeah. overall for game day. Well, Matt, I appreciate the time as always. Uh, you know, have fun in Springfield this week, or you're going down to the game, I would imagine. Uh, actually, I'm not making the trip this week. I got a prior commitment, so this will be my one game all year that I'm not going to. But between you and me. Uh, <laughs> Not exactly missing a trip to Springfield, Missouri, I'll be honest with Yep, that. yeah, no, there's not much there. The fans don't show up either. They show up for the band, and then they leave. So uh, there's a <laughs> chance that more SDSU fans will be there than at, uh, Missouri State. So, uh, yeah. Be, be back next week for uh, Illinois State. All yeah. right, fantastic. Well, have a great weekend, and uh, thanks so much for the time, and uh, we'll talk down the road. You bet, Nate. See ya. Matt Zimmer, Argus leader, kind enough to join us. and appreciate his time and perspective, as always. <laughs> We're going to keep our fingers crossed. Here for Jabori Gibbs, Marcus Traxler, Travis Krenz, Matt Zimmer, full show, make some picks for uh, week nine in the NFL, see what else we have in store here on the Sports Block Podcast, now available on podcast.com. We'll wrap up this edition of the Sports Block Podcast, it's very elongated sports block podcast with a look at what happened in week eight make some early picks for week nine in the nfl last thursday night uh vikings didn't cover it was a boring game but without adam thielen the offense still put up over 400 yards had to settle for a few more field goals offensive line wasn't great but they do beat washington 19-9 case keenum left the game with a concussion washington quarterback and then a rookie quarterback Dwayne haskins filled in and that's when it kind of all went downhill for washington sunday adam vinatieri Pierre is Adam Vinatieri. Kicks the game-winning 51-yard field goal, uh, escaping the GOAT from being the GOAT, the meh GOAT, as uh, the Colts beat the Denver Broncos 15-13. Vinatieri had missed a field goal and an extra point earlier in the game. Denver could have won it, uh, perhaps they had gone for it on fourth down with under two minutes to play. Joe Flacco criticized play calling after the game, and now he's got a neck injury, air quotes. I think it's legit, but either way, uh, Colts beat the Broncos 15-13. Titans all over, the, well, not all over, they beat the Buccaneers 27-23, but they could thank the officials in this one. Stripes called Brett Kern, the punter, down on the field on a fake field goal, but replay showed that the ball was clearly fumbled and the Buccaneers had ran it back for a touchdown. That would have given them a 30-27 lead. And... Head coach Bruce Arians was irate, as well he should be, and this is yet another time where the officials need to swallow their whistle, and at some point, something's got to happen, because the officiating continues to plague the league in their 100th season. Saints beat the Cardinals 31-9. Welcome back, Drew Brees. Uh, He threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns in this one. Michael Thomas over 100 yards and a touchdown. Latavius Murray had a couple of scores in this one. it was close. It was 10 to 6. Then the Cardinals go for it fourth and one from their own 29. Watch, clearly must have watched the NDSU SDSU game from Saturday and saw NDSU go for it tied at 16 uh, late in the game. And they thought they could do it. Not so much. And they lo- dropped to 3 4 and 1. They lose 31 to 9. Bengals, Rams, London. Uh, 
The Bengals might want to cover Cooper Cup because I believe he's still wide open. Cooper Cup, 220 yards receiving, most by Rams player since 1997. The Rams topped the Bengals 24 to 10. Uh, pretty. I mean, what can you say? The Bengals, they're just a bad team without trying to be bad, but you can blame injuries to the offensive line. Of course, A.J. Green for a lot of that. Gardner Minshew, three touchdown passes, and Leonard Fournette had a big 66-yard run to open the game as the Jaguars beat the hapless Jets 29-15. to uh, Note in this game, the Jaguars mascot, Jackson DeVille, dressed up as a ghost and flew across the field in homage to Sam Darnold seeing ghosts from last Monday night's game against the Patriots. Lions struggled to beat the Giants 31-26. Daniel Jones, four touchdown passes in this game. He helped do whatever he could to to get the Lions in this, but unfortunately just fell a little short. I believe it was four touchdowns, right? Well, we we don't care about that. Um... Either way, it was a very good, yeah, four touchdowns for him in this one. But uh, Matthew Stafford and the Lions, just too much. They get a defensive touchdown early, and they beat the Giants 31-26. The Chargers looked like they were going to lose the most Charger-esque game you could possibly have. I guess the the Charger-esque game was the Titans game the week before. But they are up 17-16, and the Bears drive down the field. And all they need is a field goal to win. And then under a minute to go, instead of running another play, get a little closer, get the ball maybe in the middle of the field, Matt Nagy tell, head coach Matt Nagy tells quarterback uh, Trubisky to take a knee. He does. And then Eddie Pinheiro misses the field goal just to the left. Had it been in the middle of the field, would have worked. The Chargers' offense didn't do much in this game. Defense kept a minute. They kept forcing and holding the Bears to field goal chances. And the Chargers actually win a close game 17-16 over the Bears Eagles needed a win in the most desperate of ways they go up to Buffalo wins swirling 30 plus mile an hour wins and they beat the Bills 31-13 Jordan Howard had almost 100 yards rushing in this one uh, Miles Sanders broke out uh, for like a, what he had like a 60-70 yard touchdown run 218 yard rush yards total by the Eagles and they thumped the Bills in this one to get back to 500 at 4-4 four and four. Seahawks, great first half against Atlanta, who is just a terrible team. Terrible second half. The Falcons almost come back. Matt Schaub threw for over what, 400 yards in this one. The backup quarterback for the Falcons with Matt Ryan out. But the Falcons ultimately come up short 27-20. to Seahawks, again, this is, I, I tell you, this is not a, this team is good. They are not great. And at some point, you play the better teams. It's going to come back to bite you. Uh, the Panthers got bitten hard by the San Francisco 49ers, 51-13. to Tevin Coleman, four touchdowns in this one. What, three rushing, one receiving. Nick Bosa, the second overall pick in last year's draft, or in this year's draft. Three sacks and an interception. Kyle Allen throws his first interception of the of his career. He threw three in the game, and the Panthers lose 51-13. Patriots get out to a 17-0 lead against the Browns. They... Hang on from there. 27 to 13. The Browns had three turnovers on three consecutive plays. Yikes. Uh, the schedule does get easier for them. That that was a rough first half for the Browns. We'll see what they can do here going forward. Um, 
but the Patriots win 27-13. Bill Belichick earns his 300th career win. Houston Texans, uh, Oakland Raiders went back and forth, back and forth. Deshaun Watson ends up uh, leading the charge and getting the, the Texans the lead, or the win, 27-24. Makes the play of the year by escaping a sack, then gets kicked in the face, adjusts his face mask so he can see, and throws it to Darren Fells, the tight end, for a touchdown. Texas with 27-24. NBA is crazy. Deshaun Watson is like Michael Jordan. Uh, John Gruden, head coach of the Raiders, said as much afterward. Texans win, though, 27-24. Just unbelievable. But they did suffer a loss. J.J. Watt, peck injury. He's done for the year. And then Sunday night football. Green Bay upends Kansas City 31-24. No Patrick Mahomes in this one. Green Bay looked like they were going to run Kansas City out of the building up 14-0 at the end of the first quarter. By the end of the first half, Kansas City had roared back 17-14, but the defense just couldn't hold up. Aaron Jones, Packers running back, over 150 yards receiving in this one. Just crazy. A couple of scores, 226 total yards from scrimmage. He was incredible, and the Packers win 31-24 to remain a game up on the Vikings in the NFC North. And then Monday Night Football, uh, the Dolphins looked like they were going to win their first game, up 14-0, ultimately lose 27-14 to the Steelers. They, they give up 27 straight points. A third and 20 blitz by head coach Robert Flores at the end of the first half. You don't need to do it. You could have held the Steelers to a field goal try at the worst. Instead, Deontay Johnson scored, gets a touchdown out of the result, and the momentum was with the Steelers after that. Ravens and Cowboys on the bye. As we go to week nine, it begins Thursday night football, Halloween night edition, San Francisco 49ers at the Arizona Cardinals, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Don't overthink it. Take the 49ers. They will make Kyler Murray's life miserable. London gets their final game of the year with the Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the NFL Network on Sunday. I don't like betting against Deshaun Watson, but the Jaguars, man, Gardner Minshew, the Texans without J.J. Watt, I'm going to ride with the Jaguars and the Minshew mustache magic. Indianapolis Colts at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. I just don't trust the Steelers. I don't trust Mason Rudolph enough, I think. The Colts didn't play well last week, yet they found a way to win. They'll find another way to win this one. I'm taking the Colts. Chicago Bears at the Philadelphia Eagles, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. A couple of disappointing, underachieving teams so far through the first half of the season. But the Eagles come home for their first home game in, in four weeks. They had been on the road for three straight games. Let's take the Eagles in this one. Uh, they'll just be too strong at home, and the, the Bears' offense is a is MIA. They're just bad. Speaking of MIA, the New York Jets against the Miami Dolphins, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. This game is garbage. I don't want to pick it. I don't know who to take. I mean, do you take the Dolphins in this one to get their first one of the year? I, I'm tempted. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll, I'll ride with the Dolphins getting the first win of the year because they're playing hard in the Jets. Uh, the misery index continues. Carolina Panthers hosting the Tennessee Titans 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. Another one. I don't know what to pick, but uh, we'll we'll take the the home team. Take Christian McCaffrey. When in doubt, take Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Washington at Buffalo, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. 
Look, we're not going with Washington. Buffalo will rebound after their bad loss to the Eagles last week. Take the Buffalo Bills in that defense. All right, uh, Tampa Bay Bucket. Oh, the, the the Minnesota Vikings at the Kansas City Chiefs, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. If Patrick Mahomes plays, I think the Chiefs win. If the Vikings, or if Matt Moore plays, the Vikings win. It's that simple. Um, right now, I'll say Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, and I'll take the Vikings. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Seattle Seahawks, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Tampa Bay's mad. I don't trust Seattle. But at home, I think this Russell Wilson and the Seahawks will end up okay. Uh, Detroit Lions at the uh, Oakland Raiders, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Matthew Stafford playing good. But the Raiders get their first home game in almost a month and a half. Almost two months, really. Uh, don't overthink it. Take in the Raiders. All right, the uh, Green Bay Packers at the Los Angeles Chargers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. This is going to be a, home, a de facto home game for the Green Bay Packers. The crowd will be minimum 75-25, if not 80-20 or more. I'm tempted to pick the Chargers, but the way Green Bay is looking right now, taking the Packers. Denver Broncos at the... Uh, or the, the Cleveland Browns at the Denver Broncos, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Some guy named Brandon Allen is starting at quarterback for the Broncos. I'm taking Baker Mayfield and the Browns to finally get off the schneid and, and get the win. New England Patriots at the Baltimore Ravens, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Is this the week that the Patriots go down? I'm tempted to say yes. Uh... But until the Patriots get knocked off, they're just going to be too good. And then Monday Night Football, Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Cowboys back at Meadowlands, at the Meadowlands after, or MetLife Stadium after their last bad loss to the Jets. They're not going to leave the Meadowlands uh, with another loss in this game. They will fluster Daniel Jones. Ezekiel Elliott have a big game, and they will win the game. And those are your week nine picks for the NFL. For the official picks and predictions, go to the stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com. Uh, we'll have the official picks in there every football Friday. A lot of talk today about college game day or this week about college game day. So appreciate everyone coming on to discuss that. Um, great stuff as always by Travis. Uh, and we will be back next weekend. You can find this podcast available on podcast.com, Facebook, Nathan Stacken, Twitter at ND Stacken, Travis Krins at Travis Krins, Marcus Traxler at Marcus Traxler, Matt Zimmer at Argus Matt Z. Uh, we'll, we'll link to the podcast posted in the middle to later part of each week. But thank you to everyone for listening, and we hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed all the college game day talk. We'll be back next week. For more talk, college basketball season preview. Can't wait for that. And we'll get into the college, uh, the NCAA thing as well. So for everyone, I'm Nathan Stackens saying thank you for listening. We hope you tune in again for another edition next week of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone.